This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm, a, I'm RJ. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're observing the horrors of humanity during World War II, as is our want on this podcast, as we watch Spines 196 and 197 in the Criterion Collection, Alan Renee's Hiroshima Mon Amour from 1959, and Night and Fog from 1956. But first, hmm? hey buddy. What? Did you get your uh, dorky piece of metal in the mail today? <laughs> I sure did. Listen, it's, to that. Uh, listen, that thing... listen to that. You hear that? What, wow. What's that made out of? Uh, it's like gold? A, yeah, it's like uh, whatever whatever they found laying around. Some fine aluminum tin. Some uh, fine aluminum but tin. Edged. I did get mine in the mail. Wow. Yeah. Do people know what we're talking about? I don't know. Are are they charter subscribers? Charter subscribers since April eighth, twenty nineteen. Wow. What a what a good way to commemorate signing up for an online streaming platform. Wow. Yes. Yes. Our, Huge. Uh, our these were what were they were these announced. Early, they were spring. supposed to be mailed in June, I believe. Yes, yeah, and I was kind of wondering uh, if they were ever going to come, and now I have it, and I feel really ashamed about this. And uh, as you pointed out, it's like, oh, we probably should have got like Criterion Creeps or something printed on this instead of just our boring ass names as they appear on our credit cards. Yep, but, but meh, <laughs> wait now. What what are you even supposed to do with it, anyways? I don't like, know. Keep it in your wallet, and if someone finds it, it's like, hey. This guy's a Criterion Collection channel subscriber. He's a big fucking dork. What a nerd. <laughs> He's not and worth even... saving, folks. <laughs> well, actually, though, the the little, like, clip, the little tethered yep. thing that they gave is actually not bad. I might yeah. repurpose that for something I else. Oh, it's really actually kind of neat. The... So... I wonder if it's breakable. Can you cut? Will it cut? Is this, like, titanium? Do you remember that thing, Will It Blend, where they would just put shit in blenders and see if it would blend or not? Mm-hmm. Maybe you could do that with it. Oh. See if it went. Well, RJ. Yeah. Yes. We survived another Creeptober. I mean, I guess. We're here, right? We are. Is it's, that but, but, but I don't know if our spirits remains unbroken or not, but we're here. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty good. I don't feel like upset about anything. That's good. So Excellent. How about, how, what was your uh, grand total? 87. Hmm. A mere 40 more than me. That's it, huh? <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> that's all, hey? Oh. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. Do you feel bad about yourself at, at all? or No, I mean, I've, I've talked to some people about this. I mean, the all-time record for me is 110. I'll never break that again. There's just no way. There's Which year no... was that, when you were depressed or when you were coming out of depression? <laughs> no, that was just when I... Uh... I don't know. I, I There's just so many movies I really wanted to watch. And I feel like there's just that, there's not as many movies that I desperately need to watch. Because that was actually a really good year. There's a lot of good stuff I discovered that particular one, which you can actually find on my Letterboxd. Which year was it? 2016. 2016. Yeah. So was that the first no. year that we were uh, podcasting? It might have been. Dang. Yeah. yeah. And we were recording all these episodes and i was watching that many more movies what we'll never we'll never get that back what's happened i don't know um i would say apathy Mm, maybe it's that broken on my end (laughs) broken spirit yeah well the biggest thing jared is to realize that nothing in life matters and then once you do 
then uh, you, you'll realize what's going on. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. I do. Yeah, well, uh, maybe one year you can beat it. I hope you do. Uh, as you said, either going in or coming out of a depression. Uh, and uh, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> maybe just uh, a general mal- <laughs> ennui. I love that word. Ennui? Or were you going to say mal- uh, malaise? Um, malaise. Malaise. Malaise forever. A, a funk. He's America's greatest monster. Who is that, Gerald Ford? Do you uh, remember that guy? Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter? Yeah, that, that would be the joke here. Did for. they like Gerald Ford though? Ford, no, though? they didn't like him either. He pardoned oh. Nixon. Oh, you can look forward to this all playing out, uh, maybe with Mike Pence. Mm, lock him up, no. right? Lock indeed, him up. indeed. How are you, RJ? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Have you, you you've recovered from Halloween night, handing out trick or treats? Yeah, well, it was kind of a kind of a bummer year, like we suspected at the start of the month. It was snowing and raining, kind of. A little bit. It was cold. So, and it, it was really cold. So I think uh, that uh, shut a lot of kids in that would have been trick or treating. We only got fifty five. I think last year we had seventy some. So oh, I thought it was something like something in the hundreds or something. I, I thought. No, we were like close to eighty, but okay. like not not over eighty last year. Okay. Uh, we're it's pretty consistent though. Like we'll get someone every like four or five minutes. So I usually I usually just hang out in the entryway. <laughs> because there's like no use moving were you still dressed as wario i was actually um so and it wasn't like i didn't intend to hand out candy in a costume but for my place of work i need i wouldn't say it was encouraged but it was suggested that it was like hey you can dress up no problem so i was like okay i'll do it then so i I got this pretty bang and wario costume uh yes those were women's pants um because they don't make men's pants in purple but I think it came together pretty well. What did you think? Did you think that was a bang on Wario or what? Uh, I mean, for a, a homebrew. A homebrew? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That wasn't too bad. Yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, mean, it was I, all I had to, together. I had to look at that mustache all last week. For your... <laughs> well, did you did you figure out why I had that mustache then after the uh, the costume? Because you're like, what's up with your mustache, well, bro? No, you, you told me. <laughs> No. <laughs> you told, I'm like, what is this, Mario? You're like, well, actually. Well, see, a lot of people ask me that. They're like, why aren't you Mario? And I was like, I, I was like, no one would have believed that. My, uh, my figure is a lot more um, conducive of uh, the evil side, side guy. You know, mm. I was like, I'm a little bit more Wario than a, a War- Mario. Plus, Wario is cool. I think I might just go as variations of him every year. Like, uh, you know, in Smash Bros, there's all the different outfits. There's the biker Wario. I could just be him next year. There's a luchador Wario, Super Wario. I could be him one year. Hmm. I won't have a job if I do either of those two. But, uh, you know, I barely have one now. That's true. So there you go. Yeah, no, I I handed out candy. Uh, I didn't mean to, but when I got home, I, I was kind of like running around, getting stuff done, you know, throwing the laundry, put the dishes away, uh, eat dinner real quick. And then kids started to arrive. So I was like, well, I guess I'm in a warrior outfit. Yeah. But the big win, Jared. Yeah. The thing that made my night was uh, there was two little boys dressed up as Mario and Luigi who came to the door. They're like five and six. And they came and they're like, whoa. And I was like, oh, a Mario in my perfect Italian did, did, accent. Did, did you attack them? Uh, I went, wah, they, they weren't sure. Uh, but the best, the older boy was Mario and he kind of got it. He was like, oh, I see the younger <laughs> boy, like didn't 
like he was maybe like four or five years old and he came up at the to the door and he said i'm a mario <laughs> and i was like Let's, yes well you see if he's a luigi mario he's true yeah he he was yeah he was yeah. dead on i was like yeah you're right man you are a mario and, and you're is, is wario mario as well or does he have uh, a different last name i don't know if wario has a last name you didn't wario rj i feel like you didn't didn't do your research How, um, I mean, well, I know who Wario is. Uh, yeah, enough to like, you know, take on his look. I mean, well, the, to appropriate the, it. Yeah, I did. I didn't have green shoes though. I tried to find green Crocs, but I couldn't. So Waru, uh, Warui means bad in Japanese, and uh, it, you know, it, it looks like there isn't a last name, but it's highly debated. I see. Uh, that the makes third that, most that, Google- that is the most. Like obvious thing I can imagine now that they've said it a lot. It's like, yeah, of course, uh, it's it's debated. Of course, yeah. it is. Uh, the number three most Googled Wario question. Yeah. Uh, number two is are Mario and Wario related? Uh, people think they're brothers, but I think that's actually been debunked. The third question is what's what nationality is Wario? Hmm. <laughs> uh, and it is a made up one. So there you go. Although it does acknowledge that they have Italian accents. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm a Mario. Yeah. What about you? Did you get some trick-or-treaters? Uh, yeah. Not too bad a turnout. I had about 40 kids, and it was the same thing. Ooh. We're 6 o'clock to 7.30, yeah. pretty constant stream, and then hard stop. Had just enough chocolate for those kids, and they were on their way. It wasn't yeah. too much. Uh, I had Adam's family... And Adam's Family Values on, uh, which are two movies I had not seen for a very long time, mm-hmm. and are fine. I Hello, feel, I feel, Sally. See, you you put a little bit too much uh, uh, spice on that. It's, little, it's it's not it's not near that. I was expecting this, it, and when it actually hit, I was like, "What?" It was too built up for you. Yeah, RJ has been lying to me this whole time. It's the subtlety and the delivery of it is what really counts okay mm-hmm. and if you if you don't know before going in it'll never live up to it yeah but if you're like me mm-hmm. having appreciated it your whole life it will live up to it of course Do you see what i mean i see exactly what you mean mm-hmm. yeah. and then what else and then what happened uh well i watched like 10 movies in one day and on halloween on halloween did you take the day off i did mm. yeah that's your typical style right that is my style uh, well, that's if, good. If at all possible, I make sure to uh, enjoy my day. Enjoy. It's your day, bud. My day. It's your day. That's Let's cr- see what next October. Well, it'll probably be you, a you Friday. Can just talk. It'll be a Friday, in theory. Are you confident? It's a Saturday. Oh, so we're, we are a leap year then. Mm-hmm. Oh. Saturday, boy. Saturday, Saturday. Well, that's, that's fine by me. I can just take that Friday off, make it a long oh, weekend. and really double down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of that. And then I can start Thursday night <gasps> and go all weekend. God damn. See, it's already planned. It's already planned. Set in there stone. There you go. RJ, Yo. we, got, we got emails. What? Uh, a few. Okay. A few. All right. You ready for this? Okay. Sure. First Whatever. up, Oliver Granger. Ooh, baby. Hi there, creeps. Can we Hi. start a Patreon goal to have you never mention martyrs again? <laughs> when- when oh well that was ghoul school that doesn't count right <laughs> that's the pass hey oliver what's your beef with martyrs i want to know I was gonna, when i read this i went oh oliver don't you know rj by this point that like now that you've said this he'll he'll always talk about it 
I'll talk about martyrs he, he will, forever. He will now talk about it more than ever. So, ooh, Gabagool, the martyrs. <laughs> uh, see, two, 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 two birds, one stone. Uh-huh. Also, I, wait, uh, what is up with this shit? Who are these people? And Oliver sent a screen cap of a Letterboxd user. The name's not important. But it's one of those individuals that has 65,000 people that they're following oh. and 45,000 people following them. And it's just I like, who, who are these people? Indeed. I don't know if uh, this is a – I can open up this to listeners, uh, you, RJ. Sure. If you've noticed these people who they suddenly follow you and you go, oh, this person must be really uh, interested in what I'm, my interests are. That's really cool. I wonder how interesting they are. But then you realize, oh, they're just following everybody because mm-hmm. they're like a, maybe a filmmaker or they're trying to get like just the same old social media bullshit mm-hmm. and uh, just harvesting yeah. that data. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm familiar with those ones. Um, I got fooled by a couple of them to begin with. I don't anymore. Uh, there's someone following me right now that is following 295,000 people, and they have 26,000 followers. Can you imagine what their feed looks Activity? like? Activity? <laughs> uh, no, it would be I, – I only follow like 100 people, and mine's a nightmare. It would, so. ch- it would change constantly. It would change constantly. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So I obviously, don't know. that's just uh, – to me, it's suspicious stuff. Um, yeah. It makes you – wonder why are we putting all of our information for free onto this platform for mm. it to be looked at i mean i'm sure that these uh the, the guys who run letterboxd one day they're mm-hmm. they're going to sell off to amazon because amazon buys everything they got box office mojo imdb your mm-hmm. bookstores everything so one day we'll be part of the family yeah, but I mean, what are they going to get out of my information? A bunch of reviews that all say farts and butts and dumps. Like, True. have at it, buddy. I'll yeah. I'll give you that for free. Yeah. yeah. All they'll, they'll be able to predict your behavior though, because it's not about those films. They don't care about those. It's it's what you're wanting. What 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 do you see on opening day? How are, oh you're, mm-hmm. you're these people are watching these things online, and maybe that how are they watching it online when it's not widely available? And then they note these things, and then they just keep track of you. All very benign. <laughs> All, all I got to say games, is... Funny games, RJ. Funny games. Funny games. People have been trying to predict my behavior for years, and uh, few have ever actually found out. Like, even you sometimes. I surprise you, no? You're a, you're a real wild card. That's right. You can't you can't tell if I'm going to watch Doggy Tales again. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But I will. <sighs> next, <laughs> next up, Justin Peterson. Ooh, baby. Halloween Horror Watching Hangover. Mm. Hey, Jared and RJ. What's happening? Now that Creeptober has come and gone, I am finding it hard to get back to my normal movie-watching lineup since I want to squeeze just a few more horror movies in that I know I will not return to until next Halloween season, like Hellraiser 2. Do you guys Mm. get this hangover feeling, or do you watch enough horror movies throughout the year where this transition does not feel as drastic? Uh, Yeah. um, I'd say it depends on the year. There have been years that, like... Where you're, where a lot of the movies are shit, and then I'm definitely burnt out. But yes. sometimes when you go in, like you get a lot, or especially in the back end, you get some good ones. Like I, I'm gonna try to work through the stack that I still have from you. So mm-hmm. I'll be going in overtime for the next month and a half. But uh, I don't know. I think it really just depends on the year. What yes. about you? Uh, same. <laughs> I it depends on the That's year. Uh, right now I have a list going on of films that I want to get to but I wasn't able to watch during the bulk of the Creeptober month. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've pretty 
pretty, pretty, pretty big dent into it. And then I also found a list of my 2019 watch list that has 115 films that I've watched four of. So mm-hmm. I have failed miserably, miserably on that front. So I, I'm going to try to go back on that. A lot of it, though, is just old movies that yeah. I've like from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, things I'm like, yeah, I should definitely watch that. Yeah, I should totally do that. And mm-hmm. I, just, I just haven't. So I'm kicking it contemporary, and uh, we'll see what happens. We're, we're entering that uh, award season. The good movies are going to be coming to theater soon. What do you mean good? The, the well-reviewed, well... Eh. Garnered. <laughs> I don't know. There's Who that. Needs that shit. I mean, Lighthouse, which uh, I think everyone yeah, we know no. has watched, but we can't because <laughs> Creepsville uh, stinks mm-hmm. and yep. or Parasite, another one of these movies that I'm very suspicious of because um, I don't have the best track record with uh, the director of Parasite. Ooh, uh, Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, I don't really. Mm. I'm not that big a fan of his movies. Be it Snowpiercer, The Hostess. Fine, mothers, nothing special. Uh, Memories of a murder. I remember liking it was, but still not one of the better Korean movies I've seen. So, mm. but will Parasite be like the one? It's hard. To, I, I, will I be the one that like is the one who hates it? And then probably uh, and, that's and more likely. That, that's a strong possibility. But yeah, it sounds like it's a real uh, crowd pleaser though in theaters. So obviously, we'll not be able to experience that. No. I no, we'll never be. It's not going to come here. That's for sure. We'll get it in like a year on Amazon Prime Canada. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, I I was going to go watch Thunder Road. It's gone off Amazon Prime. Wow! See that is that's going to teach you. Next time I uh, tell you to watch a show, you better watch a show there, Jer, before it's gone. I guess so. I just figured that would be on there forever. I would have too. It's to be honest. And now it's nowhere. Hmm. At least in Canada. I guess you'll have to buy it. You're not no, really a sad bastard aficionado if you don't watch it. Because it's only on DVD. Screw that. Ooh, maybe you can buy a digital rental for like three bucks. No, I'm not doing that either. No, you don't want to do that one. Mm-mm. I don't play that way. Mm. Well, I, I mean, you might as well end it then. Not so, just the show, uh, but and it's, uh, yeah, yeah. As far as the other part of Justin's question about like watching horror movies throughout the year. I, I pace myself unless I really yeah. want to watch something and it just happens to be like, I have no other choice but to watch it at this point. I I, I don't know. I really, I do like horror, but I, there seems mm-hmm. to be a thing where I, I want to pack it all into one month and I've got this list of like almost 300 movies I, that I can pull from any time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think I dabble throughout the year, but mm-hmm. nothing crazy. Just whatever strikes the mood, man. Goat movie question of huh. the week. Who is your greatest of all time 80s and 90s action star? And what was your first and favorite movie of theirs? In fear of being labeled as a basic bitch, I will not say Bruce Willis and Die Hard. And instead, I will go with Stallone with Cliffhanger being the first ever, my, my his first ever R-rated movie. Justin's first Stallone R-rated movie. Um... So wait, uh, is it what your favorite is or the first? Uh, your favorite 80s, 90s action star? And what was your first and favorite movie of theirs? I mean, that's pretty tough. Uh, no, it's not at all. Uh, Mel Gibson in uh, Maverick. <laughs> that is, that's a, a real legitimate answer. Hmm. I suppose. I mean, Mel Gibson was an action star uh-huh. at one point. 
I mean, there's and, probably and, a movie. And Maver- is Maverick the first and your favorite Mel Gibson film? Uh, it's not my favorite. It, it could have been my first. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Let me go to my Mel Gibson ranked list. Oh, well, that's ranking his performance, not favorites. Dang, tough to say. But I'm going to say Mel Gibson, Jer. I'm pretty confident. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Schwarzenegger. Mm. Um, since I actually label his movies as I watch them as Arnie. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say what the first one I would have seen was, but my definite favorite is Terminator 2, which was also the first R-rated movie I saw in theater when I was eight. Who took you to see that movie when you were eight? <laughs> my dad. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it was Jared. awesome. But you were just a little boy. I was. I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that movie was rated R, but I somehow got in. I somehow was fine. You were just a little boy. Mm-hmm. Maybe explains a lot. Yeah. Speaking of action movies, I'm thinking about doing a marathon of the James Bond movies around Thanksgiving time. What was the first 007 movie you watched, and did that Bond end up being your favorite? That was the case for me since Pierce Brosnan and GoldenEye was my first, and he is still my fave, which may mm-hmm. also have to do with that awesome N64 game. Yeah, well, I think Jared's going to shatter some minds here with his opinion of James Bond. Um, but <laughs> that, uh, James Bond sucks. <laughs> uh, mine would have definitely have been uh, GoldenEye. And um, yeah. I mean, I, I used to really like Casino Royale, and then I watched it again, and I was kind of like, oh, it's like, I thought this was better, this movie. Yeah, yeah so. <clears throat> so I don't know. That's tough. To elaborate, I, I would have seen one of the probably – Roger Moore, uh, James Bond's on TV before I saw mm-hmm. 007. Mm-hmm. I d- but the first one I saw in theater was indeed was also GoldenEye. And I liked that movie. Um, yeah. But I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of rewatching it. <laughs> you are? Yeah. I, I think it might be real, real stinky. But like, I, I, yeah. I should say, it, it won't be to my taste. Um, and yeah. like in my experience, like anytime I watch pretty well, any James Bonds movie, Sean Connery, I, I think he's a terrible actor and mm-hmm. I find the movies pretty, pretty cornball. Not my, I, I just don't like them, but I mean, I think Thanksgiving time is a great time to, uh, just blast through those 23 movies. Thanksgiving is a great time to blast through anything. If you know what I mean. Mm hmm. Like if you're picking up what I'm laying down, Jared. I, I think so. I think we like all like if you we understand all, we, what I mean. We all know. We all know what you're saying here. <laughs> okay. 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 It, okay. Yeah. So that. Yeah. Not. Not. Not my cup of tea. Skyfall was yeah. cool, but again, I, I'd have no interest in watching those ever again. And I never mm-hmm. saw Spectre. Spectre. I want to call Neither it. Neither did Spe- I. Spectrum. <laughs> Spectrum. Which end? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, cool and mm-hmm. or is there 25 of them now i don't know 25 or 26 there's like the one with the code name and it's like oh there's it's going to be a girl a girl 007 and people are going to be mad but which one the, the, the one they're working on now no it's already done it's with daniel craig but it's also got a woman in it oh well exactly I don't know. see I, that's how much you even care i, I never watched the last one because I remember when exactly. I came out, everyone was like, well, you know, well, uh, everyone was pitter-pattering but, but, over but it. Was... But Big Dave. Big Dave who? Batista? Batista, yeah. Yeah, but if I want to watch Batista, I'll just Google 
wrestling. Other things of Batista. Yeah. Finally, what are your thoughts mm. on The Watchmen? Is the comic still a must-read after watching Snyder's huge three-plus-hour director's cut? Yes, don't watch those movies. Watch, Just read the comic. I like the movie overall, but it's way too long, and what happens at the end did not feel like it was worth all the build-up. I'd say do both. I read the comic, and then I watched the movie. I like both, so read the do comic. both. Do both, yeah. And then there's the TV show, and uh, I've heard some people like it. Other people don't like it. We, we were going to start it this week, actually, oh. but we chose a different HBO show, Jared. Oh, am I going to hear about it soon? Uh, well, we're almost on season one, and it only has three seasons. Interesting. So, do you want to know what it is or not? Uh, can you tell me about it while we're talking about what you're creeping on? Sure. Okay. I can save it. I guess I can do that. Thanks for the time, Creeps, and I hope chatting about these Alan Renee movies does not get too depressing. <laughs> uh, good luck. Good luck. Jackson. With architecture. Hey, Creeps, just wondering if you guys knew that Derek Jarman was the production designer for The Devils. The past two schools were excellent. Keep up the great work, Jackson. Short Mm -hmm. and sweet. Yes, I did know that about Derek Jarman. I don't even know who Derek Jarman is. (laughs) Of course you don't. (laughs) Is that someone I should know? Probably. Why? What did he do? You you can look it up. So uh, next email, Sam Sanchez, RJ. Okay. I'm down with Sam. Writing in late in response now to last week's School School episode. Happy to hear Jared enjoyed Trick or Treat and actually very happy to hear he enjoyed Celia. Wasn't a recommendation from me, though. I strongly considered recommending it, but I wasn't sure if it was up your alley or how much it would be considered horror. But then again, I recommended Dreadnought. So what the fuck do I know? (laughs) Mm. Oh, I see. Because of Jubilee? Yes. Shut up, Derek Jarman. RJ, you're, you're very good at your job. This isn't a job. I don't get paid for this. Very good. Yeah, it's you're good. Very good at your slave labor. Yeah, yeah. School school season is over, but I did have another recommendation that I would actually uh, I like actually even RJ to consider is the animated <gasps> cat thriller Philidae. Philido. F e l i d a e. I believe it's animated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, he literally day. says it's animated German cat thriller. <laughs> By Michael Schack? Comprehension. Uh, definitely interesting to watch. And uh, curious to see if Arja can at least stomach some animated cat violence. Um, Excuse me, Actium Jackson Maximus. This but is in, Sam Sanchez, Arja. Oh, excuse me, Sam Sanchez. I got distracted by these Derek German things. Uh, in the synopsis, it says, Grizzly feline murders. I'm not sure about that, buddy. <laughs> buddy old pal uh jared you watch it first and you let me know i'll uh, put it in my watch it's, list it's, it's been on my radar but it's animation's always kind of just for me honestly a second tier choice wow why don't you tell us how you really feel <laughs> it's uh, my film at apartheid oh okay i'll keep it shorter today keep on creeping you guys oh thanks sam and rj yes just when we thought we left ghoul school behind us Oh no! Out from the grave comes a corpse. Oh my gosh! Corpse it's been a, quite a while. Wait, when when do you think our last corpse email has uh, been? I don't know. His, wow! This email is entitled Takeshi Meek May. Ooh! <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> no, I'm turning that down right what, now. You don't want to watch all 100 of his films? Holy fuck! Plus, Maybe. he's he's over 100 now. Takeshi Mike? 
Yeah. Maybe in like three or four Mays from now. Mm. Sup, you creepy fucks. Mm. It's been a minute, but Corpse is back to chime in on your latest Ghoul School episodes. Uh-oh. First off, can we take a moment to acknowledge that Jarrett liked Terrifier? I'm glad we didn't take bets on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still surprised by that. No one saw that one coming. Uh, see, it's like is a strong word. I, I love Art the Clown. Well, <laughs> circumstantial. Yeah. And of course, after we recorded last week, mm-hmm. uh, like I saw like five minutes earlier, there was a Terrifier 2 that's in production right now. Uh, yeah, look what you did. That thing could have been dead and gone, and and then you revived it, I think. I was also a little surprised by a few of his other guilty pleasures, specifically the works of Mr. Brian Paulin. There's mm-hmm. something about low-budget splatter by directors who are clearly horror fans that is very appealing to me. Now, I've heard your badmouth beauties like Astron 6 and Ryan Nicholson in the past and was wondering mm-hmm. what the difference was between your admiration for Mr. Paulin and your disgust for the other guys. I'm guessing it might be the dark comedy in the latter two that maybe throws you off, and that's what is going to guide my recommendation for you now, today. It's mm, a good point. So what is your beef with uh, Astron 6? I just... Maybe it's like something I recognize in Canadian filmmaking where mm-hmm. there's this, this little bit too much of a wink they're they're a little too they're trying mm-hmm. to, a little too hard to be clever and it's constant in their stuff. Though I will say that W is for Wish uh, is pr- pretty good. The more <sighs> oh, the, see, you the, never the, mentioned that on the show before. No, I haven't. I don't uh, think that's the one that like I've watched twice. I think this year, yep. and I think about it and think it's the most successful version of what they've done. But mm-hmm. like Manborg and the editor, oh, they're just awful i can't i can't take them but i know people love them like people like those but i just i don't i don't enjoy how they do it there's like something about uh brian paulin there's no winking at the camera i don't he's not in he's not trying to make Mm -hmm. a joke like he's really trying whereas the astron six guys are like kind of like well we like this stuff but we know we're better than it to Mm -hmm. me like they might be genuine about it but it doesn't feel that way when I'm watching the films and it just sets me I guess pushing me off and plus at one point in my younger days I kind of was making shit like that too and I'm not I'm not I'm ashamed of it and the fact that people aren't oh, ashamed of it oh is that what it is yeah it gets a little yeah. too cl- it's a little too close to home if, is it like when I see that makes when, more when, sense. when I see grindhouse filters and like shit mm-hmm. like that I'm like don't do it don't do it boys and when I see people lap it up I'm like no don't just don't do it Mm-hmm. That's making more sense, Jer. So there's that element too. But like I guess mm-hmm. so. Now, Letterbox says you've seen the movie Found by Scott Shermer, but have you seen mm-hmm. any of his other films? I think it would be funny to hear you describe those movies to RJ on the pod because Headless is quite possibly the most disgusting movie I've ever seen. Yeah, um, I've I started Headless and I was not liking that. Like it's just it felt like like a huge step down uh, as far as uh, filmmaking goes. Would it but have it been would... one of the most disgusting movies you've ever seen? Well, I'd have to I, I want to clarify because I know that uh Corpse recently logged uh what was it? Serbian film? Serbian film. And he, he said there's two things in it that ruined it for him. And I'm curious if it's the obvious scenes in it. I, I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. That's a movie that I, I know what it is. Yes. And uh, I imagine if <laughs> I don't think there's anyone who's on board with that stuff. <laughs> 
who's all aboard. <laughs> yeah, who's just like, oh, yeah, this is exactly the kind of stuff I like. <laughs> Sign me up, boys. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. I, I imagine that's what all he's right. talking yeah. about. See, because, yeah, the, the movies themselves are, that movie is, anyway, it's very much like a Brian De Palma movie that just goes above and beyond. <clears throat> My okay. second recommendation for Jarrett comes from his recent clown binging. No, I'm not going to recommend Clownado. Instead, I'm going with Circus mm. of the Dead. It's a downright dirty and grim low-budget film with a memorable performance by Bill Oberst Jr. as Papa Corn. Hmm. That's a pretty good name. Circus like of the Dead. Well, consider it done. Oh. Sounds like it, it sounds like a Jared pick, just uh, <laughs> offhand. God, there's so many of these fucking things. There's uh, someone I saw log like Gags the Clown from this year. Mm-hmm. Like, God damn it. People are just like really cashing in on this uh, clown business. I mean, that's constant, right? Forever? Clowns? Circus Forever. of the Dead. Well, it's, I wonder if it'll uh, hold up to Dead Clowns from 2002. Well, you'll have to get uh, get Corpse's opinion on that, and you guys can collaborate. And as far uh, for recommendations for RJ, I'll look no further oh, no. than the infamous Greasy Strangler. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, I would give that a shot. I, I haven't heard oh. anything too horrible about that. <laughs> yeah. Why no. are you laughing? Uh, I, like, I like Greasy Strangler, but it's not for everybody. It basically checks all of RJ's boxes. No animal cruelty and jam-packed mm. with butts, dumps, and full frontal male nudity. Okay. Pretty much yeah. a guaranteed banger. Also, yep. since he watched the shitty Forbidden Zone movie, he should watch the good Forbidden Zone movie by Richard Elfman, a.k.a. the trippiest movie ever made, man. Is that what it's called? Forbidden Zone. Oh, yeah. let me see. Forbi- I thought you... Okay. Directed by uh. old Danny Elfman's brother, starring early Oingo Boingo and... and uh, oh, Susan Terrell, I, and I watched it yeah. like a couple years ago. Oingo Boingo, what what is that? That's a band, Richard oh. uh, Danny Elfman's band. Oh, you gave it three and a half stars. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll check it out. Is that the movie with the devil in it? Yes, uh, I remember you talking about this. Was that a couple years ago? I uh, apparently. Joe Spinell. Yeah. Whoa. See, I didn't want to ruin the surprise there. I mean, that name is in any credit. It, it just pops up. You, you're you're going to see it. You and know? finally, I'd like to touch on ideas for the next school school. I think mm. Core May is the obvious answer. True. But since yep. May uh, ghoul schools have been all about torturing RJ, maybe a Takashi no. Meek May is in order. I was Please, thinking no. of suggesting that before I got to the part of the episode where we talked about that gem Gozu. But I'm still going with it anyways. P's. P.S. I really think RJ downplayed that magnificent rebirth scene. My second suggestion for <laughs> May's ghoul school would be something like a Matreon charge like a buck a piece for movie suggestions from the fans and pile them into one group that the two oh, of God. you can t- take turns choosing from in some sort of draft style format. Anyways, that's all for this week. Creep it real corpse. Um, I mean, his draft style idea, it's not bad. We should play around with that, see if people are interested. No. Uh, but uh, hey, sounds like Corpse, is, uh, he's, uh, he's been listening. He's, he's been paying attention to what the old Jay, Jay Duncan is uh, into here. And you know, uh, maybe he made some good points. Maybe. 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 It's nice to hear from him uh, as he's been gone for a long time. It's nice to hear from all of our well, he's dead. fans. Who, Corpse? Yeah. Well, that's true. He died. So he... He doesn't have good internet access, right? 
Yeah, why? I mean, five G's coming. In how? Like in the afterlife? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Thank you all. Mm. Hey, RJ. Yo. What you been creeping on this week? Well, Jer. Uh, hey, do you want to? So we started a new TV show. Yeah. Actually, we started two. Yeah. I know. I know this isn't the TV podcast, but so we started Castle Rock season two. It's not bad. Did you know that your boy Tim Robbins is in it? My boy Tim Robbins. Yeah, aren't you always like I'm a I'm a real um. Oh shit! What's that movie called where he's Tape with heads? Martin Lawrence? Oh no, nothing, nothing to like, lose. Nothing to lose. I thought you were a huge nothing to lose fan. Oh, okay. When my dad, uh, like when he got his own place when we were younger, he had a couple like VHSs that we would go and we would watch, and Nothing to Lose was one of them. So I would watch that all the time when I was like seven and eight years old. And I was always like, what does this movie mean? I feel like this that's a movie that he probably bought for $5. Oh, I'm at, sure. At, at Costco. At Costco? And he uh, went, oh, that looks funny. And then he bought it. Yep. And uh, you know what? Seven-year-old Arge was like, that is funny. Good movie, Steve Oderkirk, director of Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, and Kung Pao. So anyways, yeah, Castle Rock, it's not bad. That uh, they're doing an Annie Wilkes thing. It's fine. Uh, but the real one you'd be interested in is uh, we started watching The Leftovers oh. with your buddy Justin Thrift. And, and, and uh, Damien Lindelof. The, Lindelof. The, the mind behind the new Watchmen show. Exactly. So that's why it pinged for me earlier. It was mm-hmm. weird, though, because my buddy Meat was texting me and he was like, man, Crave sucks. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of difficult a little bit. And he's like, there's HBO, but there's no leftovers. And I was like, what? Let me have a look at this. And he was right. The, the leftovers wasn't on there. Hmm. And then the day after, it got added. Well, they're listening. We have, a, we have a screenshot of our thing. And he was like, what's going on here? And I was like, good point. They are listening, too, because I got a recommendation on YouTube for Rob Zombie music videos. And I have never, ever listened to Rob Zombie music. I watched it in real life and I logged it on Letterboxd and then it was like, hey, do you like Rob Zombie? And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> it was very strange. Um, but The Leftovers, uh, did you ever try watching it? No. Uh, I think you'd be into it. It's like, it's so over the top, like depressing. It's kind of comical at times. Like sometimes we, we, we're watching it and we laugh at like how much shit is getting piled on these people. But uh, it's not bad. It's pretty good. Liking the ride so far. Liking the ride so far. Hey, Jerry, you ever heard of Doom Asylum? I have heard of Doom Asylum. So the only reason I'll bring this up uh, is because I know our friend of the show, Sam Sanchez. uh, Sam Sanchez. Sorry. I can't talk anymore. Um, That'll prove difficult for a podcast. Well, how is that different from any other week? It's true. Anyways, uh, I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he gave this a watch, too, because uh, I think I told him to. Uh, do you know about this movie? A little bit. I, uh, I, 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 I feel like it's not worth buying, and that's uh, I why I've not taken that plunge. I don't know about buying, but I think it's worth watching. I actually thought it was okay. <laughs> um, like, I think this is a solid three-star movie. Uh, it's kind of bad at points. Like, all the... All the middling stuff isn't great, but uh, I think the story is pretty fun. Uh, some of the kills are actually like pretty decent. I was like, ooh, I like that. What's this movie um, about? Uh, it's like, so a guy, a lawyer and his wife are driving on the road and they're like, we just won millions of dollars. It's like, fuck you, losers. And then they crash. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 
the lady dies, the guy gets taken to a morgue and they start the autopsy and they peel his face off and then he wakes up and he's like, ah, uh, and then it jumps like 20 years in the future. <laughs> and this guy's living in an abandoned asylum with no face still. Oh. Uh, and a group of teens kind of um, happen about him one day uh, as they're having a picnic. Oh. There's also a group of um, skids, like punks, yep. that are there too. And so they all kind of like get into mischief together. Uh, I don't know, man. I thought some of the kills were kind of charming, to be honest. There's some weird details. Like one of the girls is an orphan and she's like, they're driving on the road and it's like, she's the daughter. Um, and she's like, man, I just really miss my mom. This was the road she died on. And the boyfriend who's like super considerate and like really patient with her. He's like, what do you need, babe? I'll do anything for you. Anything. Uh, she's like, I miss my mom. He's like, well, you know, if you want, you can call me mom if that makes you feel better. And she's like, it does. So they all start calling this kid mom. And I was like, that's so nice. What a nice group of kids. Hmm. Are you are you interested in Doom Asylum? Uh, I'm getting there. I, get I think if, if you watched it with like a say one other person right you would probably enjoy it if you watched it by yourself you might not get much out of it i did but that's because i'm a weirdo uh, i also watched this on tubi which i thought was a scam it's on amazon fire stick but it actually has quite a few movies on there does it, and have, it's, does it have ads that come it does. on yeah yeah it's it's a free service and you don't have to make an account either which i thought was just ace because i was like i bet it's free but you have to make an account which is horseshit uh you don't it just has commercials like every 10 minutes there's an ad and you can't skip them but whatever it's kind of like as if Ugh. it was playing on tv that's that's horrible <laughs> maybe not maybe not 10 minutes yeah, what's, like what's the, uh, what was the picture quality like it was fine like rj fine or Jared yeah. fine rj fine okay <laughs> uh i i don't know if you get to be Search for a movie that you haven't been able to. The, the reason I found this on here was because I was using that Just Watch thing, and it sh it said it was on Tubi, and I was right. like, all right, I'll give Tubi a, a tr go, whatever this is. But I don't know about the quality because it's it's an '80s movie that was maybe shot on like a, a cassette player for audio with Saran wrap. With Saran wrap, yeah. I don't know, Jer. I think Doom Asylum is not bad. I think you should check it out. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> I watched a couple other movies. Yes. Uh, so after I, I, I woke up really early on Sunday, like way too early. And this was even before daylight savings. I don't know what it was. I just couldn't sleep that night. So I was up at like 4.30 a.m. And I was just like, I'm I'm awake. So I watched. Uh, was that, two, that was Sunday morning? Sunday morning. Yeah, that's the same thing happened to me. I was up at 7 a.m. And it, it wasn't it wasn't because of the daylight savings. I was up like two hours earlier than I two or yeah two hours earlier than i normally get up anyways i usually get up at six so i was just like fuck i'm up early so i watched both our creeps and then i was like really bummed out <laughs> so i uh i i needed to escape to fantasy jer so i watched dragon ball super broly uh <laughs> you, ever, you ever heard of dragon ball jer yeah i know about that dragon ball uh here's the thing i liked it but i mean I, I've mentioned before, I, I'm nostalgic for Dragon Ball Z, and uh, it was it was exactly what I needed because after watching a half an hour documentary of like real dead bodies getting like piled into uh, spoilers spoilers into like <laughs> unmarked graves and like just heads and stuff, I, I really just I was like I got to get out of this world for a while. 
So uh, I watched, you know, Broly and Goku and Vegeta get into all kinds of crazy things, Jer. Is this a movie I would recommend you? Never. No. Never. No. But if you if if you need uh, just to get away for a while and you want to watch an hour and a half thing of guys fighting each other and glowing hair and huge dicks and stuff, like maybe Dragon Ball Super's for you. Cool. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this kind of falls into that animation and uh, yeah. my real movies, uh, separate mm-hmm. but equal. Separate but equal. I think that's fair. So it's like I said, I think it was good, but uh, I wanted to watch it. So, hey, Jer, here's one that I bet you're pretty interested in. Which one? Neil Marshall's Hellboy. Oh, okay. This one. Th- this is the only other movie I watched. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not true. You also, uh, well, you vlogged Dario Argento's opera. Oh, fuck. I totally forgot about opera. <laughs> okay, here's the- okay, so how far into this movie did you get? Uh, I, I watched most of it. Okay. Um, and then it froze at one point, and oh. I was kind of like, you know what? I'm done with this movie. <laughs> hmm. I watched about half of it, and it froze, which I was going to tell you because this is your DVD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, because uh, how long is this movie? Let's see. It's 107 minutes. I got um, 70 minutes into it, and then it froze. Hmm. And I was like, huh, Okay. And I, I wasn't really feeling it, so I just stopped watching. Well, I guess that gives me the added excuse to get the Blu-ray of this. Yes, I, I would uh, get that because I don't know, like I don't know if it was my Blu-ray player, but I usually don't have problems. I watched forty or like twenty of your other movies this month, and none of them froze. Hmm. So I don't know. Opera. Here's the thing: it's got all this stuff I like about Argento, and uh, well, not all of it. It's got things that I like about Argento, and all the things I don't like about Argento. I think opera is pretty good. Uh, especially the setup where it's the guy forcing the girl to watch his uh, very elaborate and luscious, uh, like device. So she can't blink. Right. Pretty cool. And those scenes are all really cool because, uh, he kicks in with a classic Argento metal coming in to blow your dick off when you're watching grisly things happen. And it's got, like, some of the kills had pretty decent effects. So I like all that stuff. Pretty cool. You know what I don't like? Watching animals die on screen for real. Really? Uh, yeah. And there's a lot of that in this. Uh, they're, they're crows, which, I mean, like, I could take or leave birds. But uh, crows are actually pretty smart. And it's just some dude fucking wasting these things. Like, it's a real crow, and you see him just, like, club it with a fucking iron. And then, like, it's twitching on the ground. And that scene goes on for, like, ten minutes. And I was like, I was just watching. I was like, what is the point of this? Why is this even in here? What's the symbolism here, Dario? (laughs) What are you trying to say? You fuck? (laughs) So, anyways, like, I I watched most of it, and I was like, "I, I like... I like some of the parts here, but that scene kind of took me out of it. And it's like I said, I, I know it's my own bag, but I was, even on top of it, I was like, what is this even here for? Do you know? What's your take on opera? Do you like that movie? Uh, well, my log of it several years ago was three stars. Mm-hmm. So I definitely don't think it's one of his stronger films. Right. But it's got like some cool moments in it, like the yeah. being shot through the eye, through the door hole thing mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible but yeah I, i'd have to watch it again and um 
I, I bet you would uh you'd be in my my side here. I would. That, that's the, kind of how I mean. We we both have kind of the same feelings though on Argento. Argento. Yeah, this one too is like way more muted than the rest of his movies. Like you know how his movies always have like big vibrant colors. Yeah, this thing's pretty bland. Yeah. So, which I mean isn't like it's not a knock against it. Just compared to his other movies, it's like oh he had a lot more fun on those ones. I think I could jump or in here was... and actually talk about how I watched Mother of Tears. Sure, his, go for uh, it. Some people say his last good movie. That 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 ties up the uh, the witches trilogy. Oh yeah, the mothers yeah. or well, the tell mothers. me about it. So it it ties up allegedly the uh, the mothers trilogy. It came came out what two thousand five. It is cheap, and it's trying to go for this huge story of like it's the apocalypse. These witches are coming back, and everyone's going crazy in uh, Rome, where mm-hmm. like the, the third house is. And I don't know. It, I'm trying to remember anything specifically about it that's like remarkable. It's got some pretty out out there deaths that you're just not expecting, and then they just go for it. Some of it's kind of gross, just because how much it's like oh. It's a lot of women getting really horribly violated over and mm-hmm. over again. And oh, good. That's like that's that's Sargento, and then, <laughs> and then the guys are like, "Ah, I got a bit of a spear in my chest." Ah, and it's like the woman's like, "Oh no, they're getting things shoved right up there, right through them," yep. and uh, or like like this like weird gavel thing into your mouth that it then breaks your jaw apart, and they're alive for as it's going on by it's these kind of like cool. gremlin goblin ghouls. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is a homage to Goblin. <laughs> I don't know. So um, could be. Yeah, Asia Argento is like slinking around doing stuff. She's got like psychic powers, and she has a ghost mom that like always pops in, and she's like, "Maria, you have to go get out of here quickly. Use your powers." And it's like it's hilarious. And then mm-hmm. she's she then there's a her like ex boyfriend or boyfriend cop who's like doing some uh, full body CGI burn action. And like, Ooh. but no, but oh, CGI burn, yeah. yeah. Not, I miss that part. Not so tight, and the ending is so laughably out of nowhere, which mm-hmm. I guess is pretty typical for Argento movies. But in this one, it's kind of weirdly upbeat, and it just ends. <laughs> and you're just like, what the? <laughs> Who cares? No one, yeah. no one. That's why no one cares about this movie. Mm-hmm. But that's Argento. That's his touch. He's like the Lubitsch touch. There's the Argento touch. Mm. Yeah, I'm not on board with that Lubitsch touch, and uh, you know. There's some Argento that I'll revisit one day, but I think I'm almost done. But he made this phenomena. That, yeah, I know. And like that's what I mean. I'll, I'll rewatch Phenomena and Suspiria. Uh, but, you know, there's not, I don't need to watch the Stendhal Syndrome. I'm probably good. No, you don't. That Pro- I'm probably no, good. Don't. Right? Right? So, hey, Jerry, you want to hear about Hellboy? Yeah, I want to hear about this Hellboy. So... <sighs> This movie had uh, quite the reception, eh? It it does still. It still does, and um, I remember when it came out, you and me were kind of just like, "Huh, there's no way it's that bad," or maybe it is. But how did that happen? Uh, so before this movie came out, you had uh, peddled all of the Hellboy stuff on me, um, yes. like the comics, yes, uh, and I burned through those bad boys. So uh, this stuff was all pretty fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is chronically in like the back end of the Hellboy st- story. Yeah, it's very, it's I, definitely, it's a wild hunt. 
it's wild yeah it's all it's wild hunt um and it's actually it's pretty it stays within the story for the most part it just can't get it all in right this movie's two hours and i think four minutes or so okay so here's the thing jer yeah i'm gonna blow your mind for a minute Uh oh i don't know what I don't know what makes this movie a one star movie that everyone is saying, because I actually thought it was fine. Hmm. I think this is a three star movie. Hmm. It's not that bad. So like here, here's the here's the the large and the the little of it. That's not a word or expression. Is there bad dialogue? Yes. Is there bad CGI? Yes. Is the plot line a little goofy? Yes. But is it the Hellboy story? Yes. Is it more or less in line with what I was expecting? Yes. Does it have cool monsters? Yes. So I, it's a it's a it's a super mixed bag um, because the CGI is pretty bad at, at times. And you're like, mm, that's gross. Uh, and the dialogue and the story are a little goofy at times. But from what I was expecting about Hellboy stuff and like having just read like and I'm not an authority on that either because I've just read the main Hellboy s- series, not like all the side stuff, like expanding everything. Uh, but the stuff I was watching, I was like, hey, yeah, this is kind of what I how I thought this would play out. Um, the monster stuff is really cool. I think you would dig the like the held titans. Yeah, that come well, out I, I've seen those. In the, I've seen those in the trailer. Yeah, and, those, and those dudes did, and those did look awesome. Those guys are awesome, and there's some wicked character designs. Like, I'll just tell you one because there there's a bunch. Uh, one of the really no, I'm gonna tell you two because I think you'll like these guys. Or I don't want to spoil it for you, but you'll probably never watch this. One of the guys has like a blade arm, yeah, and he just like picks up people and then like like slides them down his blade arm to cut them in half. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. And one of the guys has like needle legs like blade legs and he just steps on people and they start to pile up and get higher and higher and i was like "Ooh, that's cool so i i like the monster things i can see like uh i can see why people didn't like it but i don't think it's this like colossal piece of shit that everyone else says it is Hmm. if that makes sense to maybe maybe it's just because i'm coming into it with the lowest expectations possible where all i've heard for six months is how big of a piece of shit it is. But so, I don't know. I, I thought it wasn't bad. So it's better than X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is better than X-Men Apocalypse. And I never actually talked about it on the show, but when I rewatched those Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies like a couple months ago, yep. I didn't get anything out of that. Yeah. I was just like, mm, no thanks. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's the other thing too. Everyone, uh, everyone's was at the time and even now it's like well it doesn't even touch those Guillermo movies and it's like mm, do you guys actually fucking like those movies or is this some kind of weird Guillermo del Toro thing where he's like untouchable now because a little, of it's a little well I think it's a little bit of both people, a little bit of both people do like his movies but yeah a little bit of both and I've, I've had my opinions on him well known I think at this point yeah well and exactly right and I think the criticisms are valid where it's like, yes, the dialogue and the plot is pretty goofy. And some of the CGI is like, it's pretty, it's pretty bad, but I can, I can more or less get past some of that stuff because when it was just monsters kind of running around, I was like, yeah, that's what, that's what I wanted. How was, uh, 
methed out Hellboy work for you? <laughs> uh, he, he's fine for the most part. He he's fine for the most part. But the one thing I didn't kind of like was um, I am I misremembering? Like he's not a complete idiot in the comic books, right? Like Hellboy's a, a competent guy that can like do things and like research things on his own, right? Well, he's the muscle and he's kind of like always goes, ah, damn it. Like that's kind of his thing is he is kind of always falling ass backwards into stuff, but he knows things. Yeah. And like they don't actually they don't play it up too much in this, but there's like a joke where it's like Hellboy doesn't read books. He just goes in there and then like they kind of do that a little bit. I was like, but he knows stuff a little bit. He's not he's not a complete idiot. Uh, no, he, the meth Hellboy, I thought he was fine. I was like, yeah, that's not bad. There is a luchador scene. Yes. As, uh, right at the beginning, you mentioned. right? And like that too. It's like, he's like, well, th- like you can easily knock the CGI there. But I was kind of like, you know what? I, I didn't mind this luchador scene. It was a nice way to open the movie. I don't know. I might, I might get torn apart by people for this, but I actually didn't think it was that bad. Did you know your boy uh, Lobster Johnson is in this? I I think I remember hearing that. Do you know who plays Lobster Johnson? I'm if you just tell me, I'll go. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, Sandman from Spider-Man Three. Oh, lol. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, Jer. Huh? I thought it was fine. I think I think it's worth watching for you, be, just because you are a big Hellboy guy, and I don't know. I think you'll probably be like meh. You'd be like, there's some cool stuff I liked, but I don't, I would be surprised if you gave it like a half star review because I think you could be like, yeah, it's, it's not that low. Okay. Uh, that seems like a challenge. I don't know if I'm going to take it up, but. No, I, I just, I'm actually just saying like, I know you like Hellboy, so I, I bet, I think you would get something out of it. It's, it's available to you on one of the streaming services you subscribe to. Prime, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right there at my fingertips. Well, if you get bored, give it a watch. If I get bored. This was also the day I woke up at like 4 a.m. and I needed to escape reality. So oh. that's why I also followed I followed up Dragon Ball Z with Hellboy. And I was like, yeah, this is hitting the spot today. I, I see. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a context. Well, maybe yeah. after we watch Showa one day, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll watch Hellboy after that and be like, this is okay. I, that's a great idea. How far away is Shoah? A long time. Oh. A very, very long time. Well, that's up to you. But that's what I watched, Jer. Cool. All right. Well, I watched the movies. Oh, which ones? Well, RJ. Uh, first, I'll talk about this short film that came onto my radar because uh, this one letterbox guy, Hooded Justice, he was like throwing around these four and a half stars talking about how this director is like his new craze. And I saw that this one particular short film was Canadian and readily available on Vimeo. All all good things. So I checked it out. It's called Negativepeg. Like Winnipeg? Yes. Okay. So this is a documentary. Mm -hmm. It's like 15 minutes long. Came out 2010. It is directed by Matthew Rankin. Who's making mm-hmm. a bunch of little short films? He seems to be the other side. He's not an Astron Six type of guy. I, I'm, but uh, he's making these kind of more experimental films, more in the vibe of Guy Madden, but not like Guy Madden, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Um, he did this little documentary on the time that 
Burton Cummings of the Guess Who uh, had a beer bottle thrown at him at a 7-Eleven <laughs> in 1985 by this guy named Rory Lapine. Okay. And this just documents that, like, it's an interview with this Rory guy with sound clips and newspaper articles and journalists from the time just uh, talking about that moment. It, it's a very unusual little thing, mm-hmm. but uh, after watching 87 horror movies in a single month, you need something like that. See, it's about the context. Maybe you would love Hellboy if mm-hmm. you watched it. I actually uh, sent this to a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. Mm-hmm. Oh, what did he think? He he thought it was great because I, I yep. knew that he uh, he appreciates this hoser documentary subgenre mm-hmm. of things like Carts of Darkness. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, American Movie feels like an honorary member of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. American Movie fits in there with that stuff. And I, I know a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, is a big fan of American Movie. Yes. Loves those boys. Loves those Who doesn't? Boys. Yes, right. Who doesn't? Exactly. Uh, I also watched this Swedish-Norwegian movie Mm -hmm. uh, a friend lent to me called Kitchen Stories. Kitchen Stories? Is it a drama? It's like a quirky dramedy. Okay. Okay. So this came out in 2003. I had never heard of it, but in conversations I was having with said friend, uh, she thought I would like this. So I gave it a watch. First, the first movie out of the horror pits, crawling out of it. I'll, I'll read the description of it to you. Swedish efficiency researchers come to Norway for a study of Norwegian men to optimize their use of their kitchen. Folk Nielsen is assigned to study the habits of Isaac Bjorvik. By the rules of the research institute, Folk has to sit in an umpire's chair in Isaac's kitchen and observe him from there, but never talk to him. Isaac stops mm. using his kitchen and observes Folk through a hole in the ceiling instead. However, the two lonely men slowly overcome the initial post-war Norwegian-Swede distrust and become friends. It's kind of like you and me. That's right. It's exactly what happened to us, isn't it? Almost. 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 Yeah. Well, uh, did you like this thing? Yeah, it was not too bad. Uh, Actually, the one thing that just struck me reading the synopsis here, uh, is like how much more detailed and accurate this is for this like much smaller film that not very many people have probably seen or talk about now compared to some of the movies that we're going to be talking about now or uh, recently where it's like, oh, that synopsis describes 20 minutes of a two-hour movie. Completely mm-hmm. inaccurate. This actually is a good capturing of it. So yeah, it's a period piece and it's this kind of a ridiculousness of man's a need to accumulate information and study people and not kind of acknowledging the flaw of people mm-hmm. gathering said information, but and trying to be above those sort of human interactions. I would say that if this was an American movie, this feels like Oscar bait. And maybe mm. this is like the foreign film Oscar bait attempt for yeah. uh, the particular country, but that's fine. I, th- I think it was a nice palate cleanser though from <laughs> watching movies where people are, I don't know, full body melts, um, <laughs> cr- <laughs> just weird goat sex. And what kind? The goat sex movies. Oh, okay. Remember oh, those? the thing that you're really into now for uh, some reason. Somehow, yeah. It <laughs> turns out that's my kink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to kink shame you, but you're bad <laughs> person. Well, if I were into that, I, I yeah, I'd agree. 
Fortunately, yeah. I'm not. And it's only in the movies oh. that I stumble upon where it's like, oh, hey, that's weird. That's that's a lot well, of goat the love. movies. Goat you love. choose by port by choice. Well, not for those reasons because they have cool posters. Sure, sure, pal. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, in the movie, like the one scene that kind of like I keep thinking about is just this idea of this man sitting in a really tall chair right behind mm-hmm. you in a kitchen, and like, what would you do? You'd probably look over at them all the time, and you, you would your behavior would change because of that. I mean, I guess, right? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. I mean, you behave differently because I'm watching you on Skype. As are employees of Skype and everyone else. See, there's RJ. Not really. He's doing things with his nose now. He's, playing, he's, he's making farts. There you go. See, I'm they, good at stuff. They got the message. Yeah, eat, eat it up, drink it in, Skype. Yeah. I followed this up with the film, The Art of Self-Defense. Are you familiar with this film, RJ? Mm, with uh, Lex, Lex Luger. Yes, Lex, yeah. Lu- Lex Luger. Yeah, people can pick up on uh, the. There's two levels to that joke. Yes. Yeah, I <laughs> think people will figure Talking it out. About the Lex Express. Mm-hmm. Slamming uh, Yoku, Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid. There, there's so many layers to that. Don't so, even try to unpack that thing for people. Lex Luthor, a.k.a. Yes. Jesse Eisenberg, uh-huh. a.k.a. Mark Zuckerberg. Uh-huh. Every, everyone's favorite actor. People yes. love Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, I feel people are a little hard on him, and I, I don't think it's warranted. He has a place. Yes. I, he's not, I, I think sometimes he's inappropriately placed and overly placed, but mm. when he's placed properly, he's very good. Yes, as he I is, agree. As he is here in the art of self-defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie also stars, uh, is it Imogen Poots? Yeah, Imogen Poots. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's in this. This is their second movie together this year. Uh, Yeah, she, I would have, this year, yeah. are they in more than even. Uh, there, there's like the one movie, like, what is it? Oh, it'll pop up. I mean, I can look it up. You, you keep talking. Damn it. I'm annoyed now. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I remember seeing something like that. Like, the Noid, did you say? Avoid the Noid, Jarrett. The Noids? Maybe Let's I'm look wrong. up Jesse Eisenberg. Okay, let's go on to Jesse Eisenberg's page. Let's sort by uh, new, oh, that's what newest I'm, uh, first. Vivarium. Oh, Vivarium? Yeah. What, you didn't know Vivarium, you fucking idiot? <laughs> Lork, yeah, uh, who uh, directed by Lorcan Finnegan, the guy who directed that Foxes short film I talked about oh. uh, a while back. Right. Yeah, I was looking for a picture of them together, but no, it's got this kind of nice little graphic. It's about this uh, couple gets lost in a suburbia, kind of like where you live. Mm. Yeah, the uh, the like banner when you click on the movie, it shows the there picture. There. So yeah, Sarah's getting poofy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie is directed by this guy named Riley Stearns. Okay. And I didn't really think anything of it. And then, of course, I clicked after watching the movie. I'm like, what else has this guy done? And he directed this movie called Faults, which has been mm-hmm. on my watch list for like three, four years. So I also watched that. But I'll get to that. Art of Self-Defense. Are you familiar with the story or movie? Uh, Yeah, I, I have a vague understanding of this thing. Yeah. So, yeah, Casey is a sad bastard. So mm-hmm. check number one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, He goes to get some dog food for his... Uh, his, his dash hound and mm-hmm. he gets jumped by some bikers beat the shit out of him he wakes up in the hospital 
He's now terrified of the world. Well, well, but his dog? His dog's fine. Okay, good. But, but he can't go out at night <sighs> to get him more dog food. Oh. But don't, oh, but RJ, believe me, things get uh, John Wicky in no time. Ooh. Well, no, wait. So they do kill the dog? Jared, just tell me, because if you don't tell me and I watch the movie and then a dog dies in it, then I'll just be like, fuck, Jared. Well, I, I'm saying things get John Wicky. Okay. okay. Point taken. Yes. So there's that. But this movie, okay, so this movie has this really strange uh, take on comedy and darkness. It kind of okay. reminds me of the movie Cheap Thrills. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that movie? No, but I, I know you're a fan. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it very much is hilarious. Like the dialogue's hilarious, but it's very much shot like a serious film the whole time. Mm-hmm. So you, I think some people might start feeling uncomfortable about how they're supposed to be reacting to like when he gets jumped, it's brutal. And then they go right back to this kind of indie quirkiness. Mm-hmm. He winds up thinking about buying a gun. Um, and then like you do, like you do to defend himself. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. the, the humor in that of like the rules about how to buy a handgun and how they would talk you into doing it and making that right mm-hmm. decision. But mm-hmm. then he also decides, hey, maybe I can just take a self-defense class, learn karate. And then it kind of gets into mm-hmm. like this foot uh, foot fist way kind of area where mm-hmm. you're, you're having a hard time believing that anything of this is serious. It's like kind of that the goofy indie comedy martial arts idea. Yeah, but then it just keeps kind of building and kind of twisting, and you you pretty well know exactly where this movie's going to go, and then it goes those places, but you never feel bored by it because it's fairly well made and it's always like pretty like funny mm-hmm. in uh, the characters and the writing. The dialogue's actually funny, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I was a fan. I was a fan of this movie. Uh, I'm pretty bummed out uh, that it's got that. Little... that thing in it because it i i think i would have liked this movie too yep it's too bad no yep. yeah now i'm never gonna watch it and uh i might quit the podcast and you know well, a how, lot of bad stuff's gonna happen how, how else would you know though about these things if you weren't doing this podcast you'd be that's fl- true you'd be stumbling across it blind and being like oh i wish someone had told me that's good point i'll yeah. give you that one mm-hmm. i'll give you that one but it, it sounds good it's just you know how I feel about life. Well, things get John Wicky, and then things also get Hills Have Izzy, if you will. To, to the dog? No. <laughs> well. Oh. Does the dog get revenge? Yes. A, a dog gets revenge. Okay. I don't I don't feel better about that, but. <laughs> so, did you watch Faults also? I did. Okay. I've had Faults in like a while, because it used to be on either prime or netflix i had it on there for ever it's not on anything now but but i found it because i know it's got your your lady your special lady who mary elizabeth winstead yep yeah that chick's awesome man yeah yeah i called her a chick is that bad (laughs) so yeah uh faults yeah what about the faults yeah faults is also good and it's it's a bit it's a bit it's actually a bit more consistent in its tone but it also Mm -hmm. is kind of the in the sad bastard realm Hmm. Uh, the 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 pitch here: sex, cults, and mind control, and that's sects. S e c t s. Oh, sects. Sex. Sects. Sects. Yeah. See, it's tough. I I gotcha. Claire is under the grip of a mysterious new cult called Faults. Desperate to be reunited with her daughter, Claire's parents recruit one of the world's foremost experts on mind control, 
Ansel mm. Roth. So Leland Orser, who has a very brief cameo in uh, The Art of Self-Defense, he plays Ansel Roth, who is mm-hmm. a struggling uh, expert on cults and mind control. He, he's struggling uh, he, to find work. Yes. And like okay. have like even $5 to his name to buy breakfast at his mm. complimentary motel where he's giving a, where he's giving a talk, trying to sell books. Mm-hmm. And then he gets uh, brought in. Oh yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Daniels from the wire. He's Lieutenant Dan this. from Forrest Gump. Not unlike. Okay. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan Jarrett. Yes. Okay, keep going about Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Lieutenant Daniels. Uh, uh-huh. He shows up in this. He's some muscle. Okay. Uh, and, of course, we also get a, a surprise, uh, pleasant surprise for me. John Grease shows up as his uh, manager, who no longer wants to be his manager and wants to collect on the money that he's borrowed. So old Ansel, he's got to collect. He's got to get some money together. So he's got to take this job for from, from Claire's parents to help get her clear, mm. get, get her back from this cult. So a lot okay. of the movie is just set in uh, two motel rooms as, as the deprogramming uh, is attempted. Oh, I see. That sounds neat. Yeah, uh, it's t- totally worth watching the next time it pops up on a streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was there for a long time, uh, and then they took it off. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That sounds like – is it kind of like that Simpsons episode with the leader when they, uh, when they have to de- deprogram them? what now you know the leader or you you already checked out at that point i must have well there's they join a cult uh with the leader and then they have to go and um deprogram them uh there's a funny bit where they're like we got your son back uh and it's like he's like dad mom but it's hans mole man jared oh they grabbed the wrong guy i remember that (laughs) oh so you do know the leader is that what fault is about Yes, it's about Hans cool. Molman. Yeah, I mean, I think that sounds cool. I watched November, RJ. Which November? Uh, the 2017 film on Shudder. Oh, that isn't is folk horror some Estonian folk horror from the 19th century? Like the Vavitch? Oh, no. it's got a goat on the poster. Is this Jared? Is this another one of those movies you watched? Maybe. It is a movie I watched. Foul, foul, man. There is no goat fucking. There is a <laughs> there is a devil. There's a fat merry devil, and a lot of people are making deals. So this movie, mm-hmm. it opens up with a cow napping. With a what, Jer? A cow napping. Do they steal him? Well, something steals this cow, and Did- it's it is a animated, like, scythe, with like a skull on it. And oh, that's cool. It, it shows up. It uh, wraps a, like a, some wrappings around them and it steals the cow and starts walking away with it. And then it starts mm. spinning around like a little uh, helicopter and it floats away and flies the cow through the air. So we get, we get some uh, floating CGI cow action. And then mm-hmm. the cow gets uh, delivered at this farmer's house, who's the, I guess, the protagonist. Because in this land of Estonia, uh, things like magic exist where people mm-hmm. make deals with devils binding blood and such and they can animate inanimate objects to make like automaton scarecrows and those are awesome those that are, yeah that all, all sounds cool sounds pretty cool yeah. um so this movie is very black and white it is uh very well shot 
Uh, at the end of the day, though, I still have uh, some people like really overrate this. I think. Mm. Uh, I don't think you'd like this very much. I've uh, mm. I've concluded. That's too bad. Yeah, because it sounds it it's, sounds like one of my uh, deals. It yeah, it's just but it's, it's it feels it's, it's too long for what mm-hmm. it, for what it what it has going on in it. It has the story. It's this like young girl who's like living in this like you know rural like shitty life of like you know toiling in the, toiling in the fields, mm-hmm. and she wants more. And there's like the the handsome blonde boy that she really really likes. And like they would be well suited, but he's got mm-hmm. eyes for the, this young baroness that lives up in the mansion. He thinks he's really got a chance with her, but he doesn't. Mm. Um, the highlight, low light of November for me, though, because this is like the first movie where I was like watching, and then suddenly something made me want to dry heave, <laughs> where I was like, "Whoa!" And like you got to you you know me, you know me. I, I do know you. you. You know that this isn't this isn't happening very often. No, that's pretty surprising. So, so like, uh, so the scene is so. What, what happens is uh, the the young woman, she's uh, off to see a witch, okay, uh, a dirty old witch in her hut, getting advice, put, trying on some dresses, mm-hmm. and then this this man comes stumbling through, saying, I, "Hey, I need to buy a love potion." And the witch is like, "Well, you have to make a love potion. You use your your sweat, your armpit mm. hair, see, and and your shit, and you have to have the other person eat it." Okay. And, then, and then it'll then they'll fall in love with you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, obviously. So yeah, you kind of go, oh, you think that's just like a, a one-off scene, but it's not. You see this guy, and he's like just baked a nice big loaf of bread, and this bread looks delicious because it's black and white. Sure. He goes up to it, ah, and he goes to find her and bring it to bring her this bread, and she will fall under, and so. He takes it. He breaks off a piece to hand hand it to her. She takes it. She smells and goes, why does it stink? And then this guy that's also in the room, he takes it. He looks at it. Well, shit. (laughs) And then the guy who's made it, he's like, no, no, it's not. And he proceeds to take this, like, wet hunk of shit that's apparently in the bread that didn't bake and just eats it. And the texture, this the black and white, like oh. moist texture of this shit. It's oh, just dear. like, oh <laughs> no. Mm. <laughs> and uh I because I mean I've seen I've seen pink flamingos. I've seen sure. I've seen a man eat shit. And it didn't bother me that much. This though, I wasn't expecting it. And there was just mm-hmm. something about the uh leaving things to the imagination where you go, I see. And oh, I, I, I never want to see that ever again. Sounds like a Jarrett pick, if yeah. you ask me. The love potion failed. She oh, never, the she shit ne- didn't she, work. She, she never ate it. He, he didn't get. He didn't get uh, through. But did the guy who did eat the shit? Did he fall in love? Well, he there's the man's own shit he was eating. The other guy just looked at it. He knew mm. it was shit immediately. But I was like, how can you tell him black and white? And then it was like, oh, because it's like un, unresolved. It's unbaked shit yeah. in a piece of bread. Oh, oh. <laughs> So when are you going to bake some shit? Who says I haven't? Was 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 that what you gave me when you always give me cookies? Um, I think oh, someone talking about. Hey, God. hey, what? I watched like a real new new movie. Kind. What kind? I watched El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Oh, did you? I didn't even know you watched this. And uh, give me the give me the word here. Is this something that needs to be watched? Or yeah, sure. Did you like? Did you like Breaking Bad? Hell yeah, baby! You should totally watch it. 
is it okay that I'm going to come at it like 10 years later without six. I six, looked 10 since, years later with six years since uh that show ended because and, and, I I which blows me away and then yeah. I'm like yeah because Better Call Saul is done I think it, and it was like mm-hmm. four seasons um so like I've seen some people be pretty harsh on this on Letterboxd I've seen some people like mm-hmm. be like this is a real disappointment I don't know to me I mean I went in with mild expectations and I'm like yeah I mean so this is Vince Gilligan's first feature film I guess mm-hmm. you would call it he's never made like anything like this sustained of a story beyond like obviously show running and writing mm-hmm. like hour long Emmy nominated episodes of the Breaking Bad series so but I don't know there's certain things that he does really well he hits this yeah. like monumentalism of like kind of being in uh, Albuquerque New Mexico Mm-hmm. that old west sort of thing that he always did there's like full on western beats to this too like he's really embracing that stuff mm-hmm. um Aaron Paul is fine like I mean that's how he always was, yeah right? I mean what was that movie that he like was the solo in you fucking name it man he's been in a ton of movies that like side or lead and he's just but what's he he's kind of just always there but he was he's good when he's working against somebody Aaron Paul. Uh, yeah, what's like, what kind of movie was it, Jer? It was like a car movie. A car movie, hey? Yeah, he was like the lead in it too. It was like right after uh, Triple Oh, Need for Speed? Was it Need for Was that actually something he was in? Oh yeah, uh, there it yeah. is. There he is. Yep. Need for Speed? Yeah. Okay. When they were like trying to get his career going, his solo career that you can clearly see uh didn't happen for him. No, that's too bad. He was in Exodus Gods and Kings. Oh. Remember that good movie? So the one th- one of the things that's strange watching a show <laughs> mm-hmm. six years after, even only six years after, everyone's voices seemed a little bit deeper. Paul oh. just seems a little bit deeper. Um, you, you want just a, a spoiler, but Brian sure. Cranston shows up. It's a flashback. Um, okay. And you're like, that's oh, fine. Walt. And, and you're like, fuck, he's so good. <laughs> like It's one of those uh, once-in-a-lifetime kind of performances. Where then, but then people think Brian Cranston's really amazing in everything, but then, mm. but he's not. Not in everything. Did you ever see that Total Recall remake? Nope. <laughs> no, neither did I. But uh, I remember. Hey, remember Godzilla? Yeah, I thought he was fine in Godzilla. Yeah. He's just he's only there for like five minutes. <gasps> yep, sure is. Uh, I can so, spoil that movie. So, it's like nineteen years old. So El Camino. It picks up right at where the series finale ended, okay. With with Jesse driving away, it's it's nice. The um before you start it, there's a little like artful little recap of the series, mm-hmm. and it'll just be like, oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, I would never remember that. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that. Like because it's been six years, and yeah. a lot a lot of things have happened since that in our lives. And th- so this is another thing I was thinking about while watching it: how TV shows are really well regarded when they're coming out. But as soon as they're over, people are like, eh, it wasn't that great. And then they're done. They're just mm-hmm. done with it. Even if they have like decent conclusions. Yeah. But. So here's my question. That little recap, is that enough? Or because when yes, I remember I think, when this was announced, I was like, man, Breaking Bad was so good. I was like, should I rewatch that series? No, no, you don't need to. I think you should be able to watch it. And then you'll be like, oh, Maybe I should rewatch Breaking Bad and remember when TV was like really good. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing though is like, because Andrea never watched Breaking Bad. 
So oh. I, I've been, I have been setting this oh. up for a while where it's like, you know what? Sugar tits. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I would just like to ex- explain that this is a character I play for the podcast. The character is, uh, Stell Gibson, Mel's cousin. Uh, but no, I, I, I've kind of had it like on the side. I was like, you know, maybe I'll drop this on her one day. So after the leftovers, I mean, there's a couple other HBO shows we want to try to get while, while we still have Crave. I might get rid of Crave soon just because oh, yeah? it's expensive. <gasps> it's expensive. You're cutting back. Well, why? You're just, you're just going to get Disney Plus, aren't you? No, I, I would rather have Crave than you, Disney you, Plus because Crave at least has HBO. You want that Mandalorian. Oh, boy, I can't wait for the Mandalorian. No, I don't know. Like, I, I like, I do like Crave, and we actually use it quite a bit. It's just kind of like, where do you, where do you draw the line, Jer? Where do you draw the line, fella? Fella, bud. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I'm considering trying to put that up to the forefront, and then I don't know. Maybe I'll watch this El Camino this month and see. It's on Netflix, so you don't even need yes, Crave. You don't uh, for all that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I do have this. I kind of want to watch some TV after watching it too. Ooh, maybe you should watch Crave. Well, Chernobyl's coming up next. That's that's happening. That'd be a quick burn for you though. You'll get mm-hmm. that done in a a day or two, probably. I would imagine. That, that's the hope. Yeah, you should watch some TV. You should watch uh, The Terror, and you should watch yeah. Atlanta, and not, you should not, watch not Atlanta. You should watch uh, do a rewatch of The Sopranos. Oh. The Gobble. Yeah. And uh, you should rewatch Martyrs. And uh, you should, um, you know, all the good stuff, Jer. Mm-hmm. All the good stuff. Yeah. A- excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, anything else? Any, any other questions about El Camino? You should watch it. You could watch it by itself. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. all I wanted to know. Yep. Yep. It's worth it. It's okay. Good. It's, it's decent. Good. Yeah. It's good to know. Uh, got any news? Uh, oh, fuck. did you hear that they're going to, uh, like CGI James Dean into movies now? Yeah. I, saw I, mean, that. I mean, we, we were talking about this when they did it to fucking Peter Cushing like four years ago. And it was just like, why, why, why do that? Why, what are you doing? Because, you doing? because we have no actors. We, we, we ran out. Oh yeah. We're out. There's no more Aaron Pauls to, uh take on or or james franco's to take on the james dean role that's all i thought of was like oh what james franco's not available yeah people people kind of hate him though yeah what were they gonna make a oh they should make a buddy movie of james franco and casey affleck everyone's favorite actors would the movie just be them beating up women (laughs) it's called problematic problematic hey you ever heard of the this movie martyrs that guy made another movie that uh, some people deemed problematic yeah well we didn't hear anything about that so we slid right under that radar for another week nice terrific excellent terrific i hope oliver likes what he did yeah look what you did oliver yeah yeah just waving that like red flag in a china room (laughs) yeah i'm just gonna talk about a a what room Jarrett? (laughs) huh huh i thought you said something else Problematic. Keep going. Anyways. Uh, news. Um, Martin Scorsese, he wrote an editorial, an op-ed about uh, his comments. His Why com- should he have his, to do that? Exactly. And then you read and you go, that's all very sensible. And like, I agree completely with what he's saying. I mean, the people are like, well, he likes these old uh, Italian sword and sandals movies. And it's like, yeah, because he's 75 years old. And But it doesn't mean he's not right right now. 
He's kind of right. People shouldn't I, be talking about these movies the way that they do. And that's I it. always thought he was right. And on top of that, I always said, who gives a shit? What does it matter? I, what my my favorite thing is like, well, he's made bad movies. It's like, yeah. Who who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Why does it? Why? I like. People, I think, people like those homonyms. You know, they have those homonym attacks. They just like to uh-huh. grab them, you know? They. Uh, well, I, I think I said to you earlier, all like, those logical fallacies. They just always are yeah. finding new ones, brushing them off, dusting them fallacies, off. Fallacies, exactly. Yeah, fallacies. Fallacies, phallic, phallic. How do you say that word? The what word? Never mind. Never mind. I know the difference between fallacies and phallic objects. Good. Yes. Excellent. I was going to say something else, but yeah, really, who gives a shit? You know. Say, I you am know? very smart. I I have a podcast. Smirk. We do have a podcast. No. We have opinions. You did what now? You ready to talk about some some heavy movies? Uh like fat? <laughs> After the break. Uh Don't date German soldiers. You won't, who will? Thank you. 
œuvre admirable, pure, hors de toute comparaison. Paris Presse. On est subjugué, fasciné, bouleversé. Le Parisien libéré. Le plus déchirant, le plus inoubliable hymne à l'amour qu'il m'ait été donné de voir. Combat. Un film qui exprime les angoisses et les espoirs de notre époque. L'humanité. Marguerite Duras nous donne le premier témoignage cinématographique d'une femme de notre époque sur l'amour. Figaro littéraire. Alain Rennes affirme le plus grand cinéaste français depuis Renoir. Témoignage chrétien. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we've got ourselves a doubleheader, RJ. Oh, really? That's right. Okay. We got that Alan Renee's Rene. Renaud? Renaud. 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 Oh, sweet. First up, in order of spine, not in chronological mm-hmm. order, Hiroshima Monomore from 1959. Mm-hmm. The tagline for this film... From the measureless depths of a woman's emotions. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, the deep conversation between a Japanese architect and a French actress forms the basis of this celebrated French film, considered one of the vanguard productions of the French New Wave. Set in Hiroshima after the end of World War II, the couple, lovers turned friends, recount over many hours previous romances, and life experiences. The two intertwine their stories about the past with pondering the devastation brought by the atomic bomb dropped on the city. From the what? (laughs) Did that happen? So this movie, RJ. Oh, yeah, sure. I've seen it once before, Uh many years ago, in a Mm -hmm. film class, in university. Oh, nerd. (laughs) Okay, my memory of it was... Mm -hmm. Not being in the mood to watch a feature-length film in a class that's generally short films. Like, you're, yeah. you sit there for three hours with a break in between, and you watch, mm-hmm. like, three-minute to 20-minute shorts. Watching a, a real-ass movie is like, oh, And mm-hmm. subtitled, I'm going to have to pay attention to this. And, like, I, I watch subtitled stuff on my own, stuff I wanted mm-hmm. to watch. I was like... I don't know about this Hiroshima Monomore. I've seen it on these lists, but am I, am I in the right mindset to watch this? So mm-hmm. I do remember sitting in that classroom in the dark, drawing in my notebook a whole lot. So, and I remember mm-hmm. being, this movie seems really boring. So this RJ was round two for me. Nice. And I actually remembered quite a bit of it because mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't like, my face wasn't down in the book the entire time. I did look mm-hmm. up and I was like, oh, we're, 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 there's this this stuff with lots of people's like backs and they're, I guess they're making it. They're, they're making out. They're, they're doing what, they're, Jared? They're, they're bumping uglies. They're, okay. They're banging. 
and uh, oh, and there's God. this this like repetitive kind of poetry, this uh, trance like reading of Hiroshima. I remember, and then then there's this like counter of this this man saying, "No, you don't," and and this goes on for fifteen minutes. Yep. We, we we get a recap. We get a hey, this is what happened in Hiroshima. This is uh, remember that time. The, yeah, the Americans dropped that atomic bomb on mm-hmm. a civilian population, fucking killed two hundred thousand people. And sure, sure yeah, did. Real, real bad news. Yeah. Seventy thousand injured, long term radiation, all that great, sure. all that great stuff. But it damn it, it ended World War Two. Did it though? <laughs> in our, but did it ended in our hearts? So Ooh. this movie. It, yes. it, start, it starts off this makeout session, this like weird poetic lovemaking thing, <laughs> and then uh, it's, you're like, "Oh, they've had this one night stand." This French woman and this Japanese man, um, a, a Japanese man who's fluent in French, yeah. And so a lot of the all the conversations are in French. This is a French production, mm-hmm. and she reveals all this little stuff. Like, there's these moments where they're having this like kind of back and forth kind of pillow talk. Mm-hmm. And, oh, hey, we should hang out again. She's like, well, I'm gone tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm gone, like, in whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, like, tw- tw- 18 hours. He's like, no, no, I can't be. And she's, like, getting ready because she's an actress. She's got to go be on set for this film about peace. We're constantly being told. It's a it's a peace production. And sure it is. There seems to be, like, a medley of, like, there's a film going on, but there also seems to be legitimate protests going on. Yeah, it's a little like they're both there and it's not I never found it confusing, but right. I was also kind of like why you got why you got both these things going on here? Both these things are happening and uh yeah. I I'm, I'm not sure I'm a fan of the uh the, the the power of the rhetoric on these like signs. <laughs> Some of them are just like it's, uh, it's like yeah, we get it. We I, no one's a fan. No one likes this. But Spe- speaking of signs, can I interrupt you for a second? Mhm. I don't know if I told you this story, but like, so in Creepsville, we have that, uh, that site that gets a lot of protests. Mm. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. I do. Uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, a friend of Andrea's went to the protest cause there, there was a big contingent on both sides and there was some guy, I think like in the middle and he just had a sign that said, do your job. <laughs> and I thought I think that's hilarious because like he could be he could just sit, sit in the middle the whole time and it just says do your job, like wh- whose side is he on, or is it just good advice? I I saw uh, on the front page of the CBC a story about the eleven thousand scientists who have signed all the same petition saying hey climate change it's real folks and then this there's this photo of this woman holding up a sign say. Uh, disaster movies always start with everyone ignoring the scientist. <laughs> uh, like, like, so like, you mean like Superman the movie? <laughs> are they are they talking about Jarrell? What about uh, Justice League? Didn't they ignore the scientists there? I don't. I don't think. So. I don't know. It's in tough stuff. Hey, tell me more about Hiroshima Monomore. So Hiroshima Monomore. So these characters don't have names. It's he and she. Her and him. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I guess I noticed that. Yeah. So this movie is really well photographed. There's mm-hmm. some there's some really striking shots of 
the city of Hiroshima where it's like these kind of like kind of not super smooth, but really well done kind of tracking shots through the city where you're just kind of getting these like panoramic shots of like walking down the streets. Look really mm-hmm. nice. Japanese architecture and design always looks fantastic. Even in, like mm-hmm. in like poor areas, it always like it looks just a little bit nicer than the equivalent in North America. But maybe it's just because we're used to seeing our stuff and it just looks like shit to, to us. And maybe it's the same way there where they're like, oh, I hate this. And then they come here and they're like, oh, it looks so nice. But I doubt, I doubt, I, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, but yeah. not likely. But so I've always found that this movie it's it's, it's a tough sell for me um, okay i find that i i don't i find that the male character mm-hmm. he, he's not really given a lot he, he seems no to be, he like he's he does not get any of the same amount of attention that the the, the female character gets because mm-hmm. for her it's it's very much her experience and story so there's mm-hmm. there's that element of the the white woman in an exotic land. She picks up a, you know, the exotic lover, and then they, but they, they're, they're able to communicate. So he's like this, like ideal kind of like figure that she can talk to, but then also leave behind. Um, but there's also there's there's a lot going on with um, the actress's performance where she has, she she bounces really effortlessly between kind of kind of seemingly comfortable and really in the moment and in love to like wild-eyed and really uncomfortable in her own skin and incredibly like on mm-hmm. edge and she and she goes back and forth between it quite a bit i was like really watching that and i i want i feel that's weird so because this was like supposed to be a film where it was a japanese and french production kind of working together and they would have scenes in japan and they'd have scenes in france and we mm-hmm. wouldn't we get that but it's, it's very much a french film at the end of the day and it's that's strange to me because there's this idea that like, well, this is her view of Hiroshima and this is what she can imagine. And it's like, well, no, you can't because it's not yours to have. But mm-hmm. it, but I don't know if that feels right to me. I don't think that's genuine. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Like I, I have a point on that too. Do okay. you, you want to keep going? Or? Yeah. I mean, I'll talk a little bit more. So like this is a movie that it's so well regarded mm-hmm. and I don't, feel it i don't get that um mm-hmm. it it feels like we, we've we now watched Truffaut. we've watched godard and these are like the guys that and and alan uh, renee he kind of falls into the camp of he's kind of this film's kind of considered french new wave but mm-hmm. he never considered himself a french new wave guy he considered he, there's like this other french school the the left bank which is where agnes varda falls into where they are far more like ex- they thought of themselves as like left-wing filmmakers, which is strange because mm-hmm. like Godard, he goes hard communist, Mao communist in the late 60s onward, where his films just like completely leave narrative filmmaking altogether. And I don't know if uh, Rene, I, I honestly don't know his filmography super well. I've only seen this and Night and Fog previously, and I've never seen Last Year Marion Bad. I started watching it once. I got five minutes into it and I was like, I'm not ready for this type of movie, right? At this moment, I've seen this type of thing, but today is not the day to watch it. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure, like, I'm not super familiar with his uh, filmography beyond that. But Me neither. Th- this movie just feels like unrealized compared to even Godard and Truffaut. 
Like even mm-hmm. like 400 Blows or uh, Future Creep, a movie that we've both seen, Breathless, uh, or Band of Outsiders, where there's characters that I think you can really kind of, there's something to them. Mm-hmm. And here it's like, well, you have these two blank slates almost, but she's she's fairly well developed compared to him. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of just like the European traveler thing. And to me, I started having flashbacks, RJ, to summertime. Ooh, is that a, a movie that you really like? Is that a certified hit from the Creeps? Is Summertime? That was one that you really liked. About, oh, uh, it's we both did a lot, right? You you loved beefsteak. This this <laughs> she's served tortellini, but she wants the beef steak. There you go. And the gabagool. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm foggy. Yeah. I'm foggy on this movie. Yep. I don't think it's it's not terrible. It's just a movie that I don't know. I I think about it, and when I think about it, it's not it's not a. I can see problems. Uh, I think I more or less agree with you. Okay, well you you go ahead and you talk about this. So, so I watched this um pretty early one day, and uh, I'm a little foggy on it too. But I think the things that stand out in this movie are it looks great. Yep. It does. Like everything mm-hmm. does look real good, real good, Jer. Uh, the shots are good, um, especially on like the Criterion Channel. It's super crisp. Yeah. Like it's a it's a very clean looking uh, film. If that makes sense to you, it's got all very those clear. pixels. It's got all the pixels. Very crisp. Very clear. Very good stuff. Um, the the actress, uh, she's awesome. Like you said, she does a very good job at emoting from. Like the point you said where she's just like, hey, what's up? And then it just like zooms in her eyes and she's like, I'm dying inside. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa. Uh, uh, Emmanuel Riva. Oh, yeah. is she the main character in Michael Haneke's Amour? Uh, could be. Oh, I don't know. Oh, shit. That's kind of cool she is. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she is great in this. Um, So like it looks great. She's great. Uh, the editing is another thing that's really good in this movie. The memory. The memory. Yeah. So I, as you know, I do. I R- love RJ's things. jam. That's that's my jam. Uh, playing around with editing and memories. Uh, I do like. I think this movie does a really good job, and it's really well kind of like laid out where. It'll be a scene like I think there's one scene where she's like walking down the street, and then it'll cut to where they're going and then they'll cut back to her or something like that. And like, I think they, they, they cut out all that unnecessary shit in there and they just show you like, they give you like the little bumps, like a little bump. And it's like, here you go. You'll figure it out. You'll get there. And I, I really like that because it's like, yeah, they don't treat you like a fucking piece of shit and they don't have to spell it out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's edited together. Like well, very there, nice. And there's no musical cue. It's yeah. kind of saying, hey, you got to feel this way because she's having a flashback. She just sees, nope. she sees like, yeah, when he's laying on the bed and you see his hand and then she kind of looks at it and then she just thinks of, and it's mm-hmm. like this thing you're like, oh, but and it's so loaded because you can deduce really quickly. It's like, oh, she had somebody die and mm-hmm. it was just looked like he was wearing a uniform and all this little information that just comes immediately to mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's something that like, it's still amazing that, they I don't filmmakers just are afraid 
or someone along the line, like producers, they're afraid that audiences aren't smart enough to pick up on those things. And some people are dumb. Some people are very some slow to pick up on these things, so they have to hammer it in, which, uh-huh. which is really unfortunate because the best sometimes is like when they nail it so well because they give you enough visual information and there's mm-hmm. no nothing to set up. There's no teeing it up and saying, oh, hey, can I hand this right to you while telling you what it is? Yeah, and that's what – like I agree with you too. I, I find it really frustrating and – I understand why it's done too, because there are people like the people we encounter every time we go to the movie theater and it's just like, Oh, these people do exist. Not that we're like <laughs> big dick waving smart dudes or anything like that, but like dick like, waving. Hmm. Well, I mean like when you have such high intellect IQ, you, uh, you usually do. No, I just mean like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not that I'm not super smart. And when it comes to film, I think, if you're listening to this podcast at all, I think you'll clue in that I uh, I miss things frequently, mm-hmm. very obvious things all the time. Uh, but even I figured this out and it's like, yeah, I, I like that. I like the way that you do it this way where you don't have to you don't have to cover all the ground and re, re, go over it again and again. This movie didn't have two actresses playing the same role, did it? Correct. Okay, good. Okay. So, no, I, I just mean, I like the way they did that. And I, I ain't no brain genius. So, I figured it out. Um, so, the editing's good. The filming is good. Like, cinematography looks good. Lady, she's awesome. Uh, but I have some similar problems to you. And some of the ones, too, for me. Uh, the dude, I don't give a shit about. Aichi I, I, um, Okada, who yeah. it looks like I've seen, like, six movies with him. Well, there you go. No, yeah. you must be a you must be a big fan. I, I apparently I was face of and, another Lady Snowblood, Woman in the Dunes, oh, all yeah. all future creep, and Lone Wolf and Cub, the very first one. He's uh looks like he's, he's cub? In that bad. No, oh. uh, the Yakuza with uh, mm. Bob Mitchum, the catchy Mike. <laughs> oh, uh, not that one. And then yeah, I, I've seen his six most watched films. What a shocker that is. Mm. Well, the more you know. Oh, I directed this movie, the the Glacier Fox that I wanted to see. It's about, like foxes. You should have watched it this week. You really Damn. fucked that up. No, what I, what I fucked up was uh, there's like a full on remake of this called the the H movie. The H movie? Yeah, from like two thousand or something like that. Bad title. Yeah, well, we we frequently if or people H-Day want us something. Yeah. if people want us to cover all the reviews, they gotta send us messages telling us when there are because sometimes it's, I mean, it's not that hard, but like, <laughs> it is hard it is hard to keep up because sometimes I'll like Wikipedia H story it, it won't say go. that there's a remake or something like that, so it's like okay. And apparently there was an Iranian film called When or Where, which apparently th- th- did the exact same thing. Uh, mm. Another homage. God. Well. It's too late now. Anyway. So anyways, uh, like, you don't care about that guy, but I think that doesn't matter because it's her story, right? Well, that's the thing. This is the thing where I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this because I feel like he is the setting. He's just part of the setting for her to bounce her story off of. And it's about her and her talking about, yeah, I was a young girl back in Never. Yeah, my my town. Never. And uh, it was occupied France. And uh, I fell in love with a German soldier. And mm-hmm. we were having an affair. And then when things turned, uh, the nastier sides of the uh, liberation was mm-hmm. uh, those those women that were uh, laying down with Germans. They, they had their heads shaved and were publicly shamed 
and yep. and just like and, us, and probably worse than what was even shown in this film. So that that's a that was a real thing, and it's terrible. But is it as bad as an atomic bomb being dropped on a bunch of innocent people? So here here's the thing about that, Jer. Okay, so. J- I'll get back to the I guy because I, I, I don't have one thing I, to say I, about I, that. But so, yeah. like your point here about like, is that as bad as the <laughs> atomic bomb? The whole time I was watching this, I was kind of like, like I said, I'm no brain genius, but like I was kind of like, why, why does this have to take place in Hiroshima, and what is the emphasis on this? Like, I get that they're trying to connect these things together, and like it's like a backdrop for the context, but. At the same time, when I was watching, I was like, does it need to be? Well, keep in mind, too, like, this is only 14 years after. Okay. That's, like, a, that's only like an element yeah. to maybe keep in mind. Because it's, it's only 1959. And the... Yeah. the uh, did you watch this before or after Night and Fog? I watched it first. Okay. See, I, I wonder if... Cause I, I watched I, it in Spine Order. I see. See, I, I, I made a point of rewatching Night and Fog first because I, I happen to have... The, the time to watch it right then and there. And I've seen mm-hmm. both of them before, so I didn't think it mattered. Yeah. But I mean, we'll talk about like, there's this definite, uh, history, like, cause that's 1956. And so like that was being made 10 years after to commemorate the end of world war two. And mm. th- this is only 14 years after the end of world war two, but it's like another side of the atrocities of the war yeah, and like in the aftermath of that, but in just yeah, d- in different way and in, in different ways, like where this is like yeah. very much, uh, obviously it's a fictional, it's a fiction film, uh, playing out with a French filmmaker about a, a French woman in Japan yeah. and, and kind of relaying, I, I kind of re- I can relate to Hiroshima and what my understanding of it is. It's like, well, you can't, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. Well, and like, see, I, I get that too. Like I understand the two sides to it, but mm-hmm. in my mind, I was kind of like, because I think some people have pointed out before, I actually do like like the romance movies for whatever reason. Like there's certain things where like love story things. It's like, yeah, I like that. I like when they put it together. And this one, I think it it's not trying to be. I don't think it's trying to be like a romance movie or anything like that. But it's it's enough of a thread in there. I was like, I think they could have. I don't know. It felt like two different things to me yeah. because I was like, you can do. I don't know. Maybe you could do the one thing without the other. That was just kind of how I was thinking about it. But and I, I don't know. It, it does make sense. It's just like kind of like what you said. It doesn't really it doesn't really land for me. That's all. Yeah. And uh, one of the big reasons, too, is like I don't like the guy. And like I said, I know that he is. It's not his movie. It's not about him. But the one thing that I I, I actually found like off-putting about him which is weird was, <laughs> right what it's weird it's like it's because like I, I i'm agreeing but i'm like and it's weird because of that yeah and i don't know yeah. it seems like people are okay with this <laughs> and i was just like oh i don't know well so the one thing that i found like off-putting about him which is like uh this this is probably just as as always me pulling on threads that aren't there but i was like watching it with and uh, there's that scene where she tells him the like very like deep emotional story, and he's like, "Did you ever tell your husband that?" And she's like, "No, I've never told anyone that." And he's like, "You never told anyone." You're telling and he's me like, though. Woo! And he's like, he's like so happy, and I was like, "Ew." It's a real Homer Simpson moment. <laughs> well, I I I found it like I was like, this guy's so fragile. It's like, like is he out there looking for virgins too? Like because he just he doesn't want. 
well is that like that's what i took from it because i was like (laughs) he's like well that's such a deep emotional thing he's like i'm so happy you shared it with me i'm the only one and i was like "Mm." so again i i'm probably pulling on threads that aren't there but i just i found his character up not good is what i'll say and he's just like it's I know he's not the main character, and he—it's he, not supposed to be. But I was kind of like, I don't, yeah, I think they could have gave this guy a little bit more, and then you would have, it, it wouldn't mm-hmm. stand out as much that he's just there. I, I guess the default is that well, because at the beginning of the movie, so you have like the the ash kind of like on their bodies, mm-hmm. and then it dissipates from sweat to just the the skin, the the, the writhing backs, um, mm-hmm. and then you get like kind of this like montage, kind of like in Night and Fog of. Uh, of Hiroshima and the the place and the you get that recreation footage from like mm-hmm. the the museum and it's just like terrifying. Um, people like like I'm I'm not yeah I'm actually not sure where that footage is like the people like walking into the water and it's like just like all part of this reenactment they put into the thing and there's like then people come to th- and they kind of laugh because they're like nervous and because mm. it's kind of uh, ridiculous but that stuff was like oh like that's where. I found it interesting to watch Night and Fog first before Hiroshima Monomore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it kind of puts that part of it into perspective. But over the course of the rest of the movie, that, uh, for me, completely loses focus. And mm-hmm. and then it shifts to, like... Because the movie's like... Well, it feels like six scenes. Because there's, like, the initial... Mm-hmm. When they're in the hotel room and they're talking about everything. And then she leaves. She catches... then Because like, they go out to the street. She catches the car and says, Bye, I'm never going to see you again. And then he tracks her down because Hiroshima is not that big and there's not that many film productions going on with French filmmakers uh, mm-hmm. or whatever going on. Uh, these inter- an international film uh, production. So he finds her immediately. They hang out some more and then they go from there they, and then they wind up at the like nightclub mm-hmm. sitting at the booth for a very long time. And then there's like some interesting stuff going on with the sound. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It just, as, as it goes on and on, it just kind of loses you. And I never was bored, but I was never drawn in and won over by the story. And I don't know. Yep. It, it feels almost uh, at times like primitive in the storytelling because I now mm-hmm. you'd have like a Wong Kar Wai doing the exact same story. Yep. It, it would just be so smooth and when you're right oh, over. Yeah. And, and this doesn't do that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, it's kind of like what you were saying and I agree. It's, I think all the elements are there, but it just it doesn't totally like just doesn't land, man. It's not bad. Like no. there's lots of very there's a lot of very good things there. It's just uh some of the things don't come together and it's too bad. Yeah. Not sad. It's not entirely satisfactory. Yeah. Kinda like this podcast. So RJ. <clears throat> yes. Um Spine one ninety seven. Night oh, and boy. fog. Uh huh. It's thirty minutes long. Not sure it so, is. So that's like not too bad. Uh, Nineteen fifty six from our friend uh, Alan Rene. The synopsis: Filmmaker Alan Rene documents the atrocities behind the walls of Hitler's concentration camps. Yes, he yeah. does. So uh, I I had seen this before. Mm-hmm. I, I own this on DVD. Hmm. Because I think it's like fifteen dollars. It's one of the cheap ones. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It's not like in a double pack with no, Hiroshima. No, no, no. It is uh, all okay. by its, all by its lonesome. 
Okay. Um, I feel like we're what 170 episodes into this podcast. Sure. And we've talked about documentaries before here. We've talked about the mm-hmm. Vietnam War. We've talked about the Rolling Stones. We've talked about Inuits. Uh, the moon landing. We've talked about General Idi Amin, moon landings, Olympics in mm. Tokyo, salesmen, crazy mothers and daughters. Mm-hmm. And here we are now confronting the greatest atrocity of the 20th century. Yes, and we are with the Holocaust. We've we've touched on it before in fictional films like mm-hmm. The Night Porter, uh, The Shop on Main Street. <laughs> all all pale in comparison uh, with a yes. full on confrontation with actual documentation. And uh, of of what, Jer? Well, so the, the film has kind of two sequences kind of working back and forth with one another there's this mm-hmm. there's the color footage of the concentration camps uh including auschwitz birkenau uh struthoff uh, mauthausen and how they look now in beautiful tranquil eastman color stock like it's like you're looking like wow it's like the, the colors are so vibrant like this is like awesome like this, this this looks gorgeous if you're seeing these like buildings that you've seen before they still stand they are preserved um to this day mm-hmm. uh as tourist attractions oh you got to get your selfie in front of auschwitz jer there's that talk about it about people t- taking uh-huh. their, getting their picture taken yep right? there, uh, death tourism is a real thing just like as as seen in uh, hiroshima monomore where there mm-hmm. is the atomic uh tour uh, historical thing and you're like yeah people can check out all the facts it's like here's some preserved skin you can check out what oh, do you do with that uh, you look at it and go wow I don't want that to happen to me Say, wow that sure looks like skin so uh-huh. so we have that that footage of the the, the sites as they are in 1956 but then mm-hmm. it's, it's intercut with uh a lot of black and white footage, stock footage, and documentation of uh, the the age of Nazi Germany and uh, mm-hmm. and the the rounding up of human beings, putting them on trains and delivering them to camps where they would be put to work in hard labor camps, tr- mm-hmm. and treated and abused uh, as prisoners, slaves, subhumans. And then yep. eventually, oh boy, we've got too many of these people kicking around and uh, we've got to do something about them. And then it escalates. And, and then the, the, the chimney stacks. How stack, does it escalate the, 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 the chimney stacks go up, RJ, and the ovens sure. are built to handle the the mass of humanity that's going to be coming through it. Yeah. Because we so, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk about some elements of the film. So mm-hmm. uh, the voiceover is performed by French actor uh, uh, Michel Bouquet. Uh, okay. He's like a very famous actor. Uh, I Actually, for some reason, I actually thought that Rene might have actually done the voiceover himself. And I also thought he might have written the narration, but he didn't. He actually got a French poet, also a Jew, named uh, Jean Carroll, uh, who actually survived uh, the concentration camps. And so, and I guess like Rene, when he was approached to work on this by the film's producers who are making the film for an exhibition commemorating the 10th anniversary of the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not want to do it unless somebody who had lived it was part of it. 
Because okay. he was he was just basically going to like assemble it and basically put mm-hmm. the and put the film into motion and do it because he's at that point he'd only been really making documentary films and like working on those and editing them so he became kind of the director on it but obviously film is a multi-tier process and is made in editing but we'll get um, we'll get all there yeah sure sure so sure, pal. So, so we had the the i think the narration in this is pretty excellent uh yes. I, I think it works pretty well it's very sad to hear because there's observations in here that, you know, in 1956, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe this thing will never come back around. Maybe this will never rear its head. And, you know, <laughs> sadly, uh, it seems like Nazis, neo-Nazis, they, they still come out of the woodwork. We still and we still have Holocaust deniers. And even with like this, even with like this documentation, which uh, there's a an anecdote uh, in the Wikipedia mentioning that there was some like horrific, like moment in France in like 1990 where like a, a Jewish synagogue had been burnt down and a recently buried Jewish man was dug up and then impaled on some uh, like cemetery shit. The, okay. the, the response was that on one particular evening shortly after uh, like all three of like the major French TV stations played Night and Fog at the exact same time. It's just be like, uh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, wasn't that like, I think it was Churchill, but like, wasn't that the point when, uh, like, afterwards where they're like, hey, we should go film this because, uh, you know, so it doesn't happen anymore. And um, so we don't have people coming back and being like, hey, it's not so bad, right? Was was that the Gary Oldman movie? Uh, it could have been, or um, <laughs> maybe I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure there was something like that. You know, you know, dear. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the other bit of the production I'll also note is uh, the score was written by uh, Hans Eisler, uh, who was selected to originally. Uh, I guess Renee had some different ideas for it, but eventually uh, Chris Marker, who also worked on the editing after uh, Jean Carroll, who was like working on the narration for the film and putting mm-hmm. it together with the, he became so horrified and sickened by the footage. He could no longer work on it. So Chris Marker, who is uh, down the line and the creeps, he worked on mm-hmm. uh, such films as uh, La Jete. He kind of uh, was involved in the making of this as well. That's kind of like uh, that movie, evil Ed where he watches, uh, he like edits all those like horror movies and like uh, snuff films together. And then he, he goes a little crazy, Jer. Oh, I see. You remember Evil Ed, don't you? No. I, I, that one I think you didn't tell me to watch. Well, I can't recommend that to anyone. I see. I'm just uh, I'm just saying it's like Evil Ed. No. You know? uh, going along with the, the film too. So one of the reasons uh-huh. this got made was it wanted to address the, a blind spot the French had for this seeming side issue of the Holocaust. Um, because it was kind of like, well, that's like, a problem for the Jews to figure out. Mm-hmm. And that's like a Jewish problem. It's not, it has nothing to do with France per se or Europe. And so, well, and, and this is 1956. This is like, it's, it's really difficult. I think for us to fathom at this point, uh, the, the, the way people were probably dealing with it. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, it's always difficult to deal with things at the moment. And it, it's nonsensical, the things that people think and say until hindsight kicks in. And you go, wow, people really got it wrong. 
sometimes it's hard to deal with things after the moment, like and, now, like now. And you're and we watch it and we go, whoa, people are getting it wrong. Yes. Uh, final little note here too about production stuff. So the, the film's working title, Resistance and Deportation, was mm-hmm. also changed to the French translation of the German term Noch und Nebel, Night and Fog, which mm-hmm. described handling of World War II prisoners according to a decree promulgated by Himmler on December 7th, 1941. This decree provided that those resisting the Reich, arrested in their own countries, but not promptly executed, would be deported to camps in such a way that they would vanish without a trace into the night and fog. Um, This this is about the night and fog, RJ. uh, I always thought you were kind of a night and fog kind of a guy. (laughs) Not like like, in the... It's like the film noir kind of way, I hope? Uh, Sure. 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 That's another French word for you. Sure. Sure. So, RJ, what are some of yeah. the visual highlights of this film for you? I'll, I'll start. One of mine is the the mountain of hair. Uh, yeah, that one's not bad. <laughs> if that's a classifier you can as, use as a, in this as sense, highlight. So, remember how I told you I had to watch uh, a Dragon Ball Z anime after this to <laughs> yes, yes. cleanse my uh, palate? Mm. The scene that will forever. I don't think I could ever get rid of is uh, the skins, the, the body skins. Oh, the, uh, the that are just kind of ravel. Not the, not the, when they're used for the drawings, but just before it shows that. And he the, he's the husks, the, the husk, and he's like, nothing was wasted. Mm-hmm. You have the decapped heads, and then you have the skins. And I was like, huh. I have been alive for almost thirty years, and uh, I've never seen that. That you've never seen that footage. And that footage. No. And it, yeah, there's there's footage in this that uh, you definitely see more of than you ever ever do now at all. Like yeah. You don't you don't see that imagery at all. Yep. It, it really has dropped out um, mm-hmm. of circulation because it's it's so horrifying. But there is things happening in the world still that are probably just as horrific. Not on the oh, gr- yeah, no, of not, not on such a grand scale in such a like deviousness, but it happens, and we're kind of denied that because yep. people don't want to know about it, and it's like this really yep. de- easy decision to be like, yeah, no one wants to see that because it's easy. Yeah. It's, it's much easier to make suggestions to people through what they how they act and how they perform in life if they don't think about those things because if you think mm-hmm. about it, it makes them think about things too much. And we don't want we don't want that to happen. Don't think, Jer. No. Don't think about stuff. No. <laughs> well, I like I agree with you too, where it's just like I don't know, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you can't just drop like skinned like actual skinned bodies just on people here and there. But maybe well, you should? Just like things like, you know, Oh, like, pouring phosphorus on a person's leg, and then you just see this person's foot, and it's just like there's no there's no top there. It's, it's just, see what happened to the rest of your your leg, there's, bud? There's just a whole, there's just absence, and it's like, well, I see uh-huh. there's like there's like bone and stuff, and you're like that person's still alive. That that probably yep. stings. I mean, it it, exp- it probably don't feel good. Vague comments about experimentation. Because mm-hmm. we, mm-hmm. we there's the notebooks. The notebooks are there. Uh, see, that's something I have actually, uh, I do have some, some culture, Jer, 
And uh, I did some book learning once, and I, I read about all those experiments they were doing. Well, I mean, you've seen that boys from Brazil. I mean, that's the final <laughs> word on this. Uh, well, I uh, yeah, that one's pretty up there. But uh, yeah, there's some pretty there's some pretty horrifying stuff that happened there. And like you said, this stuff happens all the time. Still, like I would direct you to like war the war torn Congo. There's some pretty bad stuff going on there, man. Ben Affleck's been trying to tell people for years, and. <laughs> Nobody's listening. <laughs> Nobody's yep. listening. Yep. This is, so, you know. Yeah. It's, How about, uh, uh, I mean, there's bulldozers because that was the yeah, most practical is. way. And sure. then to move piles of emaciated bodies into uh, pits. Yeah. And uh, then there's like these like moments of like a person carrying around a, a, a body like on their back. And it's like, that's probably 30 pounds. If that, and it's just bouncing around. It's like, it looks like a Halloween, Halloween decoration as ghoulish as that sounds, but it's just like, it doesn't look like a human being anymore, but it was. And they, mm-hmm. and they, and they uh, have the, like the decency to just like kind of take it and just like lower it gently into uh, a hole. Um, yes, they do, Jer. Yes, they do lower it into the hole there and uh yeah i don't know man this thing's this thing's tough to watch and talk about but for the right reasons right right the right like, the right reasons yes well i mean yes, yeah. it's kind of like what you said it's like this stuff doesn't really get shown that much anymore and it's like no it doesn't but it should no. and and it's this didn't want to be they, people didn't want this to be shown then no one wanted to ever see this and no one yeah and people still don't want to watch it it, it gets thrown into like like weird compilations of shock, I think of like, mm. and usually like they'll have like, here's some like you know, faces of death type of thing. And then at the very end, mm. they'll have like some somber moment of like, here's some real moments of real bodies in, in the death camps of Auschwitz. Like that's how they present it. And it's like kind of this lurid thing. And this film isn't mm. lurid. It doesn't present it luridly at all. It's kind of, nope. it, it, it kind of, um, elevates it to this kind of like almost the music's almost whimsical and uh kind of underlying the horror of it all which maybe is like softening the blow of it then you see like the 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 writing in this uh is so well put that Mm -hmm. like every like the first time i watched it i was struck by like wow like this is so well put together like Mm -hmm. editing and the writing Mm -hmm. is so great watching it the second time exact same reaction yep um yeah. yeah, no, uh, all the writing is great. And like the way that, I mean, it's all out, it's all alley ooping, alley ooping to big time dunks, Jer, because they set you up. It's like, and here's this. Oh, don't forget about this little thing. It's like the thing that I was saying where they're like, and nothing was wasted. And then it cuts to like just the skinned bodies. And you're like, oh, I see what you're doing there. But it isn't like none of it feels like it's done. Uh... <clears throat> and I mean, like it's and we're focusing yeah. on like a lot of it is like the the actual like end result, like the be- dead yeah. bodies. But there's also the footage of the people who yeah. are alive. It's all well done. And yeah. like the description of like, oh, here's where they like went to the bathroom. And mm-hmm. like you would and you'd look after you've gone to the bathroom to see if there's blood, because if there's blood, that's it. Yep. And and it's I'm like I've read, I mean, I've watched more movies on Holocaust than I've like read, uh, but I I've, I've read Mouse 
which I think is mm -hmm. uh, an amazing piece of literature, even though it's a comic about mice. It's incredible. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it's unfathomable, I think, to us to imagine a circumstance where this could be, and let alone like imagining winding up in that place and thinking of like, mm -hmm. how would you even exist? Like this just seems impossible that anyone could last any amount of time, mm -hmm. let alone like two, three years. And yeah. then, because, the and there's the one film that I like. It seems like some people have a, don't like it, but a Son of Saul. It's uh, about a day in the life of uh, at a concentration camp, and is mm -hmm. horrifying. And it's shot kind of in the semi first person kind of view. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, all every time like, you see anything like that, ugh. Yeah, I remember you liking that. Um, I was gonna say though. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, you're like how how did this happen for people? Andrew's grandma was in a concentration camp. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she's still here too. Yeah, and uh, she talks about it sometimes, and you're just like, holy fuck! <laughs> like uh, when we go and hang out with her, she tells stories, and you're just like, how are you? How did you? How did you make it out here and like keep going? Because you're just like, this is crazy, and I think that's the thing that gets really lost on people now too. Because of them kids, Jer, you know, those kids these days, but, uh, like even like just everyone, it, it's like so far removed from things now, like from time that I don't think, I don't know. It's, it's easy. It's easy to talk like to say is like, well, I don't know if people really realize I'm sure people do, but there's a lot of people who don't. Well, it's, and like, it's, like, it's cognitive dissonance, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's everything. It's yeah, you're like, I don't have yeah, to think about that. When, when one eats meat. <laughs> yep. uh, like just functioning in your day-to-day -day life and you're like driving around mm -hmm. and you see, oh, there's poor people. I mean, it's, yep. they, they're still alive. They're not being rounded up in cages, but yeah, it, it's, mm. uh, <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, Hey, on the, on a side note, it's a well-made little documentary in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> if anyone's wondering, um, yeah, it's not one you just pop on. Mm, no, <laughs> uh, no, like, in, in no way or no shape or form. But yeah, no, like, I, yep. yeah, you, you would take a, I'm sure that I, I would kind of wonder, uh, trying to be light. It's like, has anyone made like a bad Holocaust documentary where people go, oh, this is so badly done. Like, cause it's like, uh, if, I'm you're, sure if, if you're like setting out to do this, you better bring your A game. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people who could make a bad oh, Holocaust documentary. With, without question. With, yeah. without question. Like, what do you think Brett Ratner's Holocaust documentary would be about? Who? Or like, Yui Bull, or like, Mick Garris, or like, Jared Duncan. I, I want to see the Jared Duncan documentary. When's that going to happen? No, no one wants that. That's true. That's yeah. true. So, yeah, Night and Fog. A, pick, a real pick me up. Yep, but I'd also say one of the. Uh, I think you'd have to say it's one of the better, like better films in the Criterion Collection. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Like that's the thing. It's like it's yeah, like yeah. one of those like top tier documentaries that uh, it's not going to be like oh it's not going to rejuvenate your spirit and humanity by any means. No, but it's I mean, but I mean at the same time like it's it's not going to be easy to get there. Like you'd have to like. You have, to, you have to think about it. Like you have yep. to like kind of get to that point about how you accept that. And I think that's more of a powerful thing than kind of being like, oh, it's a feel good story. Let's watch a documentary about the fire festival. <laughs> like, like something mm. like we're like, who cares? Who cares about yeah. these useless human beings? Um, 
We're mm-hmm. just talking about things and like how, not like how do we avoid this from happening again? Because obviously that should go without say, but just how mm, we think about life, perhaps. Sure. How do you think about life, Jer? Thinking about it. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Most part, I guess. So whatever. Anyway. <laughs> hey, RJ. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> would you like to hear about who hates these films? Who could hate Night and Fog? <laughs> well, Come on. Well, my first thought was like, well, like maybe if I go to like Stormfront.org or go to like a Holocaust yeah. denier group, I'm sure that mm-hmm. they'd like pick it apart being like, well, this is obviously, yeah. But we're not talking. We'll talk about Hiroshima Monomore. Sure. Half star from Rainy. Okay. I hated this. Sure, it was edgy and dark and a product of its time with typical new wave cinematic features, but I really did not like the juxtaposition of this woman's love affair with the horrendous suffering felt by the people of Hiroshima. It's a no from me. Uh, Rainy's whole thing is a no from me. Uh, their bio says my BF made me do this. LMAO. <laughs> uh, they have zero five star reviews, Jared. They only have one four and a half star review or rating. Yep. Uh, for the Lego Batman movie. Wow. Uh, and uh, half star films include <sighs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which is a good show, Batman versus Robin, interesting, Superbad, and then Hiroshima Monomore. Wow. <laughs> They're, like, the American Godzilla is in here, Pink Panther 2, but it's like, where does Hiroshima Monomorphit how, 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 how did you find this movie? How, yeah, th- like, this person only, only has, like, 400 reviews, and it's what you'd expect. I don't know where this movie fell into play. And if uh, you scroll down a little bit, uh, you'll find a one-star review by okay. Jared Bork. That's a made-up name. That's not real. G- Gerard Bork. Like Herod. Like Herod, but Gerard. Bork, Bork. Bork. Okay, to be fair, I wasn't paying much attention in the second half, but only because oh, I was so unbelievably bored. If this is at all representative of French cinema, I'm steering clear. Oh, what a bold stance. <laughs> it's, a, it's a common one. Yep. Is that their whole review? That's it. Oh, Fuck! I was gonna, I was gonna look through their ratings a lot more. It's, it's what you expect. Like five stars to Die Hard, and <laughs> like who, I don't who, know, Bucky Bogan. They gave five wh- stars. Wh- why is this? How is this someone's first French film? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if it is. Okay, so they also gave the the new Suspiria five and a half stars. Well, five and a like, half. Oh wow. Or, <laughs> <laughs> they somehow are they is that is that a patron level ratings where you can go yeah. above five yeah they somehow bested it um i don't know they're like it's so their one star movies are like disaster movie alvin and the chipmunks spy kids 3d daredevil with ben affleck son of the mask and then uh, hiroshima monomore <laughs> also mickey and mikey or Mikey and Mickey, whatever yep. that other criterion is. Yeah. So where, like, who are these people that are watching movies like, like these other ones, like Spy Kids 3D and Alvin and the Chipmunks, and then they just casually pop on Hiroshima Monomore? I don't know who they are, but I, we are keeping them alive for all time here. 
Yeah, Jared Bork, a totally real person who exists in the world. Yeah. So, Night and Fog. Oh, man. How? How? Half Star by Claire writes, fucked up. Well, I mean... Yes? It's not the five-star affair that is Chuck and Larry, Jarrett. <laughs> Which I, hey, I... I'll go out on a limb here. I actually like Chuck and Larry. No, you're alone think, on that limb. Yeah, I'll go out on a limb here. I like Chuck and Larry. But that's not a five-star affair. But you know what is? Mamma Mia, the movie. Mm. You know what else is five stars? Mamma Mia, here we go again. That's the sequel, Jarrett. I don't know if you know that. Uh, so this person's just into musicals, which is fine. That's fine. Why? Uh, did they, why did they just decide to like pop on Night and Fog? Cause it's on YouTube. Maybe. So they also gave. Uh, here's some other half star reviews, Jer. Swiss Army Man, Pan's Labyrinth, La La Land, and then we get into things like Zack and Mary make a porno, and Chicken Little, the animated film, <laughs> and the two Smurfs movies. Like, and Ellen DeGeneres' stand-up comedy relatable? Why is that a half? I've, I've never seen that, but how does that... How is Ellen DeGeneres' stand-up and Night and Fog... Why are these half-star movies? Why, Claire? Why? And finally, one star, Jay Steinbiker. Bicker? Steinbiker? Bicker? Bicker? I don't know. I don't think that this is a documentary... It more seems like a PowerPoint than a documentary. It gives good visual images to what was going on. Starvation, experiments, stripping, killing, etc. But it's not something that would give me more detail to someone that already knows about it. If someone were to watch this, they wouldn't have any idea where this is from because it's in French. A documentary's purpose is to inform people of a certain situation. And although, for some reason, that didn't copy over... Tell me about Jay Steinbicker. Steinbicker? It's an abandoned account that only existed for what looks like two weeks yep. of December 2016. They only have 13 movies logged. Uh, one of their highest ratings is for Fight Club, three and a half stars. Uh, they only have one half star rating, and it's for The Lobster. And they only have one star rating, er, and it's for uh, Night Fog. So I don't... I don't know what these people were a do- expecting. Okay. A documentary's purpose is to inform people of a certain situation, and although this broadens people's horizons, if they already knew about it, it doesn't let other people know what it is. It was very hard to watch because those pictures just don't sit well with anyone because it makes everyone sad and in disbelief of what actually went on in the concentration camps during the reign of Hitler. Oh, what I, I I'm interested to find out what actually went on. Uh, a few things. Jared. Well, it's like, it's weirdly worded, but in, they're in disbelief of what actually went on in the concentration camps. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, it's tough to watch. It's hard to look at. It's like, yeah, no shit, man. That's kind of the point. I don't know why they say it's a... It, it, I mean, it's kind of, uh, it falls in that same camp as uh, the act of seeing with one's own eye, the uh, Stan Brackage film, uh, with the autopsy yeah. footage. It's kind of in that realm, but... But see, like that too, like that's a voluntary thing that those people, well... I mean, not the dead guy, but it's like, yeah, autopsies happen, but it's accidental like, deaths, not state murder. Yeah, state yeah, yeah, genocide. exactly. Yeah. Like the people involved in that, like, 
there is a lot of different ways that those people could have died. Like some of them could have just been by from old age. They still get autopsied. And they're at that point they're it, It's very different things, you know, like, like this person who's just like, uh, well, the documentary is meant to inform. What if you didn't know? It's like, I don't, I, I don't know if who's not knowing about this. Stum- I, well, yeah, I don't know. Um, if you were teaching RJ, a mm-hmm. social studies class, sure. Grade 10. Would you sure. uh, show Night and Fog? Would you be? Uh, would you? Do you think you'd be allowed to show Night and Fog? Would you have to get well, like a lot of sign-offs on that? Uh, I think it's a little sticky. Uh, well, not sticky. Like I think you could get people to sign off because uh, I know in grade eleven you do nationalism and you do cover uh, Nazi Germany and um, uh, someone I know just showed Schindler's List, which isn't like it's not Night and Fog. No. But I mean, they showed it. So <laughs> that that's uh, pretty uh, palatable, though, as far yeah. as that material goes. It's it's I mean, the uh, it's. I mean, if it was presti- me, I'd throw prestige. this stuff on. Yeah. I'd be like, "All right, kids, well, you want to see what's really fucking happening in the world?" I think I think the kids could still learn from just putting on uh, the Lawrence Olivier narrated World of War series. That will uh, tell you everything you need to know about World War II, and it's from like the seventies. So maybe the information is probably like a little bit off, but all the, the between the interviews and the footage and the scope of it mm-hmm. and the vibe of that, it, the the remember at the remembrance episode of the uh, Holocaust stuff in that is also like amazing, and mm-hmm. I mean amazing in quotes. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you, Jer. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, I find it ludicrous that people have a problem with this this thing it's like yeah. well, it made me uncomfortable it's like yeah <laughs> yep yeah that, that means you're still like functioning yep so i, I don't know. because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean it's a bad thing yeah it's um get over it dude pull yourself together you, you got any final thoughts no hiroshima monomore should have been better. I think so. Could have been for some people, I we'll guess. Not wanna, for me. We're probably gonna catch heat for that. Whatever. Yeah. I'll fucking take it. I I, I don't give a shit. And uh, Night and Fog is uh, an absolute watch when you can. When when you, when can, you feel like you can do it. When you feel like you can do it. Yeah. After the break, we're going to have chocolate cake and enjoy life a little bit. Say it's pretty good. Some ice cream, other mode, you know. Say, oh, yeah. with the cake? Uh, yeah, with the cake. Okay. No, and be like, things are okay. Things can be okay. Are they the whole chair? Just, just keep eating that cake. Okay. I'll, I'll go buy some more. Just keep eating that cake.
Yes. Almost a 200. Oh, is that good? I guess so. Is that something people I'm, I'm, want? I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. Well, that means we're like, like one-fifth through the collection. Oh, people thought that we weren't going to make it one thousandth of through the collection. Well, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Let's give up. Hmm, not, doesn't sound too bad. Mm-hmm. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us, just give up. Yeah, sure. If they want to. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlow. We've got a YouTube page. We've got a Patreon. Make with that money, please. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Next week, we debut one of Criterion's boys that we've yet to encounter here in our creep. Rainier Werner Fassbinder. (gasps) Werner? Werner? Who knows? Who gives a shit? And his film, Ali, Furies the Soul, from 1974. Is that good? You're going to find out. I don't think I've ever seen any of these fast bender films. No. Wow. You're going to be very excited. Very excited when you get to Berlin, Alexanderplatz. Are you you being serious? So serious. Oh. Oh. You're going to love it. But, I don't but believe But we're going to find out how you feel about his one of his most well-regarded movies next week. I mean, I, even I've heard of it. There you go. Well, good luck. And good night? Sure. All right. Bye. Um, fart noises. <laughs>